Thing I did at Umbrebury in a shop because um, they want me a lot. The police want me bad. Like, Mum said, No way you stay here, Mum. Like, you've got to go to Jamaica. I just started running wild in Kingston Spanish town. I, I, like, I love my shanking. I love boring people. It's just fast as me. Like, I have my life in it and I work for it. So I had to grab my life one day when I was like, I would walk up to myself and you know, it is what it is. I grabbed him by his hair and pulled him down, gave him a couple of big slices in the back of it. That's what they call ludicrous. Like, they think you can handle this business. There's a lot of dogplay in Jamaica. The police says that I jumped out the cab, I stuck my hand at my top like this. Because I've got a big t-shirt on and my t-shirt went up far. Which was a thrill of it knowing I could walk through certain areas in Kingston and people say, yo, gangster, why I go on? I ended up getting an altercation with some guys down there, and that's when the guy lost his life. Yeah. I stabbed him in his neck and his heart. Because I know he died, he walked blood because he lost blood. I know he's dead. I got stabbed in jail. So I'm a man, I know they want to kill me. Like I told my book, I prayed every day for life. That's all I wanted, like, I didn't want my freedom at that time. I'm on my mind, all I want is a knife. KRN TV is delighted to announce the channel is now sponsored by the Compensation Claims Network. Have you been injured? Was somebody else at fault? Whether it was at work, on the roads, medical negligence, or anything else, we can help. Compensation Claims Network is one of Britain's leaders in personal injury claims, with thousands of successful claims on a no-win, no-fee basis. Make the best of a bad situation and give us a call today to find out if you have a case. And mention KRN TV to get a discount on the fees on any successful claims. Exciting interviews today. Delighted to be in London with another fantastic guest. Today we've got Stephen Graham. Stephen, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity and the time. My pleasure, brother. My pleasure. So, for people who don't know, Stephen's been through an absolutely insane journey at this point, um, taking him through many highs and also some bad lows at certain points. But thankfully, he's come out the other side and he's obviously looking to share some of the wisdom of his choices at different points and also share his story. So, thank you very much, like I said, yeah, Stephen. I appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it, man. So, um, like I said, most importantly of all, I guess we'd like to go back to the sort of start of their story and talk, obviously, briefly and touch your childhood and where you're from. Obviously, today we're uh, just touching Stonebridge, where you sort of always born and raised around yeah, this area. Yeah, no, I wasn't born in Stonebridge, but I always, I grew up around Stonebridge. I was hanging around Stonebridge, I say, from a youth, but I was born in, and grew up in South Kilburn. Yeah. Grew up in South Kilburn originally, um, but used to hang around Stonebridge, Churchill. Back in the days, Stonebridge, Churchill, down to Kilburn, just one big link in it. So, um, yeah, I used to run around these areas. As a youth, but um, my I said my trouble started when I was a little boy, say about say between six and eight. Even I really acknowledged what was going on, you know, when that you really come to that realization that your stepfather don't like you, you know, like and that, and that was where my troubles really started when I really came to grips that my stepfather was like a stepfather from hell, you know. Um, uh, it always kind of just thinking about it, like he he had a dislike for me, whether it was based on his altercation with my father when I was a little boy, or just he disliked me, uh, my mum's siblings. He 
tend to, you know, um, single me out on a lot of occasions. Like for when my young boy going to school, he'd always have my, find money to get my old. I'm the younger sibling out, out of the boys. There's seven of us, mum's kids. And my, he's only got a young person, my sister. Younger than me, but he seemed to always never have money when it comes to me. So everyone can find a, pet, a pound or two or five or whatever to send him to college and to school. But with me, he never found money. And what used to really bother me, which to me was very mentally disturbing, was that he sometimes bring out notes, like cash notes, like notes, and he'd say he got no change. But I was old enough to go to the shop and buy my rhubarb and custard sweets, my, you know, my sweet peanuts or whatever I wanted, because those days, you know, you like rhubarb and custard, the bonbons and that. He wouldn't give me a note to say, you know, go buy it and come back. So those things used, used to bother me as a little youth because I knew he didn't like me much. Do you get me? Mm. And so mum would have to try to drop. My mum would find a little change to give me, you know. Um, and those things used to those things were kind of things that kind of spurred me out to start, you know, start just doing my own little thing and really wilding out. Uh, just times he would he'll hit me, he beat me for things that I didn't do. But it was me as well at the same time. I never used to tell my mum about certain things neither. And even when he would say things and it wasn't true. And I'm saying all the time. I'm not saying all the time I was innocent because sometimes I would do mischievous in the house. But sometimes things weren't true. I wouldn't even tell my mum that it's not true neither. You know, because I built up a situation where I wasn't talking. And something I always tell to young people that they should always talk when you got problems. You know, always talk your problems. Like don't hold it in. You get me. But again, I live in a community, and especially that like in the Caribbean community. I would say a lot of young kids. Not all, but you have young kids, especially like well, in my household. There was a thing where you know know your know your know your place, know when to know when to talk, or well, don't talk when adults are talking, and those kind of things we we'll say to kids. Hmm. And sometimes not knowing it, even I mean this happens in every community. Think about it. psychologically, a lot of people don't realize when you tell a child not to talk, or not to or to be quiet, or sometimes our parents say to you, be quiet, don't talk, adults are talking, or it kind of um, messes you mentally as well at the same time because then you kind of don't want to talk as well at the same time. Hmm. You get me, but then with my mother. She wasn't a bad person to say I couldn't talk to her because, in fact, she was very open to me, but I just wouldn't talk. I wasn't that kind of person, so I always encourage young people to talk, you know, to find a way to express yourselves. And talk to somebody. If you can't talk to your parents, talk to somebody. Do you get me? Like, yeah. let people know what's going on in your mind because when you brought up emotions, brought up emotions, that, that shit's dangerous. Do you get me? Because then where's, where's all that energy go and how do you, you know, expel that energy when you bottle it up? Do you get what I mean? So, for me... I bought up a lot and that triggered me when I was in junior school to fight and to be mischievous and, you know, then look attention elsewhere and find other places where I can express myself and, you know, and of course it wasn't in a positive way. I was very angry at school. I remember seeing this, this white lady at school. She was a teacher and um, it's funny about this woman. She's such a nice woman, but I wasn't talking to her. Uh, it's only now I'm older I realise the psychiatrist I see because I was always like in a mischief and getting problems at school. And, um, you know, again, that's me not having, not, not opening up and, and just keeping everything in. Do you get me? So I'm just running rings around her when she's talking, asking questions. And when she'd ask me about my home life, which is which what the truth was, I was never rude to my mother anyway. So there was never a thing where social services need to get involved at that time anyway, because my home life was good in that sense. Like my mother, there was respect for my mother always. But my stepfather, I, I disliked, mm. and I guess I, I guess deep down when I look when I look at it, I think because of my love for my mother, I didn't want to disturb the situation at home anyway. So sometimes I just would take certain things and allow certain things to happen. 
But again, like I said, it's very unhealthy to do that. You know what I mean? I mean, if you have adults who don't talk how they feel, they get into situations, they don't speak how they feel. And that's very that's negative in itself. Do you know okay. what I'm saying to you? If you don't talk what you feel, and if you're wrong, it's good to express yourself, then you can be corrected, but at least you've expressed yourself. But when you don't express yourself, you're always wondering, how did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? Do you get me? And that's just negative energy. That's not good for you. It's, it's low vibration. It's not good for the mind. And um, so, yeah, those little things, when I say little things, I should say those things, really had a massive impact on my life as a youth. And um, from junior school, my mum and my stepfather beat me in a, in a cricket boot. The cricket boot's got the spikes. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's whacked yeah. with a cricket boot as a little youth. You know, um, and yeah, I went through a lot of things in my life. I used to have a lot of anger against him. And like I said, I won't really talk. And then... Um, so you're trying to spend a lot of time out of home while all this sort of was going nah, on? Nah, I spent a lot of time at home at the same time. I spent a lot of time at home. I was like eight in town, I spent a lot of time at home. But um it was a situation where I'll be in my room or my friends will be around or do you get me? But it's like that you know that kind of that pen of frustration you go in it. Do you get me? Because you're not expressing yourself and you're not talking to people about how you thought. So whatever this little situation happens, whether at school or after school with another school, some other school kids, I'm quick to flip in it because this it's like there's a there's a place for me to channel that energy, that anger. Yeah. You know, and then People would just see it as, yeah, man can handle himself, or you get me? But it wasn't really just that, it was more, I had anger issues. Do you get what I mean? But mm -hmm. I was just containing it for the, for the, you know what you say, the right moment, or really the wrong moment, because there should never be a moment where I need to express myself like that if I knew how to channel my emotions. Because when I look at it, I was never taught as a young person at home, and most people ain't taught how to do their emotions. I had no understanding of, of emotional control. Do you get me? Because yeah. school never taught about emotional control as a youth. You get what I'm saying? Your junior school ain't teaching about motion control, just control your emotions. Sadly, in the home, I want to talk about motion control. Do you get what I'm saying to you? And in the Caribbean community, you grow up hearing things like, you know, man up. Or even, I mean, every community we hear, like, a little child might drop on the floor, you see, when it's black or white community, you hear people, people say, oh, don't cry, don't cry, man up, you know, you know, don't cry, you're okay. But I mean, I've hurt myself. I've dropped them for I've hurt myself. You're telling me not to cry. No. So therefore, you're numbing my emotions. So sometimes we don't realize the things we say to young people. How much it has a, an effect on young people. Is that what I'm saying to you? And that's the deeper psychology, looking at it as a grown man now, seeing it from a different perspective. Mm. That the things we say to young kids, you know, don't cry, you drop on the floor, don't cry, okay, you're all right, brush it off, come clean, clean your clothes, and all this kind of stuff. That's unhealthy, really, because you're telling me I mustn't cry, I just hurt myself. Yeah. And we do it, in, not just a cabin community, we do it every community, everyone does it. Literally, your child drops you, get up, don't cry, don't cry. Like, like, is that you're okay? You're, you, I ain't okay. I just hurt myself. But you're telling me not to express my hurt. Yeah. That's psychologically crazy. You're just telling me not to deal with my emotions. And we don't realise that in society because we're not looking at it from that perspective. As adults, we're like, maybe we're thinking, oh, we're, you know, it's embarrassing our child's crying. We don't want people to think our child's hurt or whatever, whatever the reasons we tell our children. But a lot of us do. Men and women say, kids, don't cry. Or you're okay. The child's not okay. You just said, I hurt myself. But you're saying you're okay. Do you get me? So... And again, it's not bad, it's not bad, but it's not that it's bad parent. It's the way we, we look at things. We actually don't realise that the way we talk to our young children, we kind of numb them ourselves. We numb them from certain things, certain emotions. Yeah. So therefore, as I'm saying, the lack of emotional control, learning about emotional control, is something, it's, it's a widespread thing. Do you get me? It transitions beyond communities and boundaries, but it's just something that's very unhealthy. You know, and um, so all these situations, I like think about looking back at it, you know, using my intelligence, my, my emotional intelligence today, all the things I went through as a youth, I realised that 
there's a lot of things that happened around me that wasn't good for me mentally. Do you get me? Um, you could do two things. You could either become an introvert or extrovert. I was an introvert with regards to where I held my, um, not talking about our feelings, but my actions was very extrovert, like really extrovert. I exploded. By the time I reached 11, first high school, I was just deep into road. I was deep into road. Me and my friend South Kim, we were deep into road. You know, um, people were getting, you know, there's petty robberies happening. People were getting their little chains taken. We're doing, we're, we're, we're fighting. We're going to other areas. We're, we're doing madness. You get me? I'm 11. I'm at, I'm at raves and parties. Smoking and drinking. And... Smoking. I started smoking first thing I was eight years old, bro. Like um, 11, we were smoking weed, bro. Like it's real talk. We were smoking weed. Like it's not uh, not to be proud of. I stopped smoking now. I don't smoke. When I went to prison, I didn't smoke. So I smoked for 20 years. But um, from 11, I was smoking weed. Was smoking. That was that was that was nothing. That was nothing. And my mum smoked some good weed, some ash and everything there. I had some Rocky back in the days. Yeah. Yeah, Red Seal. I was smoking half my little boy. But it's like, um, it's, it's, it's a mad, when I look back in it, like, the anger I had in me and the frustration, the lack of emotional control led me down a crazy path. Because I got booed at four high schools. I went John Kelly High School first at age 11. Got booed out there for violence. We was war against some Asian guys. Um, and just smash up their car and it was crazy. Battered them. Um, it was mad. We were young boys. I'm in school uniform. That's how I got expelled because I'm in my uniform going crazy. And I, I just, I got to laugh at it now because I look at how much, how much um, anger issues I had. Pent up anger, frustrated for many different reasons. Like I said, even looking back at the small things that we're getting told not to cry over things and. All these, all these, these things numb your mindset. I'm not saying it doesn't work for every child. I'm not saying every child will become violent, but I'm saying the, the things I went through, the physical abuse I was given by my stepfather, the psychological abuse I went through where him not wanting to give me money, and even if he did give me, there was a reluctance in his face, there was a look in his eyes. There was a do you get me? You, know, you can read body language. You're too young to understand what you're reading, but you're feeling this guy don't like me. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying to you? So I had, I had so much different things being at me mentally. You know, my mum was amazing. She loved me to bits. But I guess she was also blinded by the love she had for him. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um then that's what I said man like first arrest and stuff like this. My first arrest is eleven. Eleven and what was that for? That was for robbery. Um my first name was a robbery and I got off that um but I was arrested quite a few times. I was arrested for weed and caution at eleven. Um I was arrested, man, I was arrested quite a few times over here still. Robbery, um, theft, carrying a knife. Yeah, quite a few things still. But it, it was like, just, just to continue with school, I went from John Kelly to Hampstead High School, got booed out there again for violence. Like, I lost it in front of my mother. I was already um, suspended and I had to come back to see what's going to happen with me. And then um, some boy bounced to my mother. Again, it was an accident. In my mindset now, I look at it, it was an accident. He, you know when kids come out of a class, lunchtime, everyone, the bell goes, everyone runs down. Naturally, everyone runs out. It's the stand, standard, isn't it? But, you know, and I'm saying it's cash today because that's how it is. It literally is standard. But in my anger, he bounced my mum in it. And in my mind, like, that's a no-go. I ran him downstairs, flying, kicked him, and just started whacking him up. Instant expulsion, and from there it was like, went to Elstone, 
same thing happened. We got expelled, then Elstone joined South Kilburn and Brosley Park to become Queen's Park. We have Queen's Park Community College um, School now. It's like a boot like that for severe violence. A boy's ears started bleeding. Yeah, we smashed the hell out of him and his brother. And that was of a stupidity as well. When I look at it, that could have been avoided if I had the minds I have today. And this is what I want young people to understand. I'm not glorifying the things I've done. And when I laugh, it's not because I'm laughing because I remember it in a joy. It's that I'm thinking, wow, was I really like that? Like, was I really like that? Psychologically, was I that angry and that damaged? Do you get what I mean? A lot of people are damaged in many different ways. Whether they use in a violent way or they be manipulative or, you know, or whatever, or bitter or... I just feel like it's so important to reflect on self. You know, like life is so... You only have one life. Like, reflect on life. Reflect on it. Make the best of it. Do you get what I mean? And for me, it was it was one of the situations where I was young and not have the right guidance. I didn't have someone telling me what I'm telling today on the camera. I wish that someone was saying these things to me because it's crazy when I look back, like... When I got put out of school, the last school, we could have easily changed this whole dynamics of what happened. You know, I, I mean, literally beat him to his ear start bleeding. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And his eye, he got partial loss in the eye, of sight. We could have avoided that. We could avoid that because it was over stupidness. It was over literally a pound. Well, a few quid, but it was a pound, really. We paid pound of all. My mate, he lost... Um, he lost that. He lost all his pounds, so he went to say he's gonna borrow some money from his friend, which he didn't borrow. He actually took it from a uh, classmate, took money from him. So the classmate's brother at the end of the school came up to my mate and was saying, "Listen, you robbed my brother." And he had all right to say that because he had all right to be angry. In fact, he had all right to do what he wanted to do. But me and my mates in our anger, we saw, um, we saw it as a violation. And straight away, we just attacked him and his brother. You know, just, just smacked the shit out of him. But the thing is, we all had money. We all had a little hustle going on. Because we're 14, we're, we got, we're known in Wolf of Sunday. The guy I'm talking about, like, he knows who he, he knows who he is. We were, we were known in Wolf of Sunday to get me. We were really known. Our little syndicate was known throughout Hars and Stormbridge Church Road. We were known, you know. Um, and that time, the, that time, the name of the crew wasn't what it became. You know, because it became known as Kickoff Head Crew after, but it wasn't known as that before. We were just a bunch of users running around friends doing our thing. From, you know, like I said, from Stonebridge, going back down to South Kilburn. And it was a madness that we allowed the lack of insight, of foresight, to really, again, but then we were young and angry and it always has our own problems. But we allowed lack of insight and foresight to cause us to be so violently to these two guys. But really true, the guy was in his right to ask. In fact, if I was, like I said, if I was in the mindset I was in today, like I wrote in my autobiography, my book, what I wrote about my life, I said in my book, I would have gave the guy some money. I said, cool, because I could have either given the guy 10 or 20 pounds, whatever, because we had that money. You get what I'm saying? That's only two, that's only two 10 pound drills. I could have easily said, listen, here, we'll hold some weed, take some weed, sorry about that. You get what I'm saying? Here, you get what I mean? Or even give him money and give him a bag of weed and say, yo, call it a day, apologies. I'll still be at school, my mate will still be at school, and do you get what I'm saying? This wouldn't happen. We hindsight. Got, we, huh? Hindsight. Yeah, the hindsight and foresight, bro, we had none of it. And this is the thing, a lot of us don't even realise that. We do things and you can't, you, once you do it, you can't take it back. Do you get what I'm saying? So, this is the same for a lot of young nowadays. They do things and then they're bing, they end up going to prison. 
You know, even adults, relationships, men might say something to women, women say something to men, they break up, they realize that, oh shit, if I kept my mouth shut, or if I hold it. Sometimes we just gotta think before we do. Do you get what I'm saying? And sadly, like, that boils down back to what I was talking about, emotional intelligence. No one taught me about emotional intelligence, bro. No one taught me that. And it's something that I do a lot when I teach young people today, I teach them about emotional intelligence. You know, because we, we like that from many, many, many forms. I mean, you've got people in university, degrees, doctors who don't know nothing about emotional intelligence. Fall off the hook. It's so easy. Yeah, I wrote a book on it a couple of years ago, emotional yeah. intelligence. It's, it's important, bro. It's so no, important. I didn't have any. <laughs> Listen, a lot of us haven't, bro. And it's not something that to look down on yourself, or, but it's something that once you hear about it, start reflecting, start checking it. Start, how do you make your life better? 100%. You know, and that's what i done. And I, I, I can't say I regret what happened or I... I which should never happen, it happened. And I can't take it back. But what I can do is know that for all the wrongs I've done, how can I make my life better? Yep. For myself and for those whoever I've encountered in the past, whether they see this or they've heard me in the past, they can say, wow, like, there are individuals who, in this current time, know things that I've gone through with them and are now friends with me, despite friends have been lost to the situation. Yep. But they respect the person I am today. Absolutely. Do you get what I mean? And I think that's really important that don't, don't, because some people say to you, oh, do you want forgiveness of things you've done or, and I'm like, nah, I don't want forgiveness because that's just a word. Everyone can say, oh, forgive me. You forgive them tomorrow, they go do some next bullshit. Do you get me? I don't want forgiveness. I want to show people I am a different person. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm a different man. But yeah, from 15, from, from high school, 14, Buddha Malas High School, Queen's Park, I've gone into, um, again, I've been arrested for robberies a couple of times after that. But it was one of the main robberies that I didn't do this one. This is a fact. I didn't do this one. They claimed I did an armed robbery in a shop. Because um, they want me a lot. The police want me bad. Like, they used to walk and call my name. I'm like, get me? Like, you don't know me. You're not friends. But they really wanted me until they said I did an armed robbery. And the day they said that I did the armed robbery, I was actually on an ID parade in Brixton. You know, so my, my alibi was the police. Imagine my alibi being the five volt. Jake says my alibi while I got off this case. So I was like, shh. Like, nah. Mum said, no way you're staying here no more. Like, you've got to go to Jamaica. But before that happened, she sent me to Jamaica anyway. Because I went to Jamaica three times in one year. Three times I couldn't settle down. The first time I went there, I had problems with the biggest drug for my son. And um, I ended up busting his head. Because he just, that, again, that was, that, again, that's lacking emotional intelligence. It was over one situation. I'm with a girl. He liked the girl. I'm a foreigner, so you get me? She kind of tipped to me, looking good. I had my Patrick Ewing's wearing, you know, the days that Patrick Ewing's were busting, and had my nice clothes and a couple gold, and you get me, English accent, she's like, yo, I like the thing. So, me and us talking, this yard used to come over, started chatting rubbish, then he said to her, this idiot, idiot, fire, oh my God, you call me an idiot. That's what went in my mind, you call me an idiot. I don't care anything else, you call me an idiot. I walked the girl home, because I promised to. I came back, because I'm a family owned a bar like a, a shopping bar, I picked up a bottle. I laced him. I didn't go, no talking, because that's not my style. Slapped him straight with it. Psh. It was war after the smashed the hell out of him. Then mum's like, got to come out to England, because who should we find out who it was? I came out to England. Got myself more in trouble with the police. I had to go back again. She says, I'll tell her, I'll make it work right this time. No, I didn't. I got more problems. I re-encountered re him. It was a madness. Then... So next ever people I was beefing with, I just went, I just started crazy. Being a madness in Jamaica, I was just going on wild. <laughs> and then it's like, um, my mum said to me, all right, you know what? 
back to the UK. I went back to Jamaica. No, that's and that's when the police came. And then she's like, that's when the police came for the the, the, the bricks and police ID situation. And she's like, no, you have to make it work this time. Like, you can't stay here. And even even during the second time it happened, I got I had to come back to England because of robbery charge. Because I ran for robbery charge. And it's madness on that as well, because my mum, this robbery charge, this lawyer said, I'll bust it. This is before the ID parade in Brixham. The lawyer, the, the lawyer said, I'll bust it. And then mum said, okay, bring him back. Because she's willing to risk her freedom so I can be in Jamaica. Do you get me? Yeah. So I put my mum in jeopardy. You get what I'm saying? So all that, I'm going to form, I was going for mum's life in jeopardy just because of my um, inability to look after, to control myself emotionally and mentally. You know, um, and you know how much, how do you think she feels well knowing her son's going through so much, but he's not telling why he's doing it. I'm running from home as well as a little boy. I'm not telling him I'm 12, 13, running from home. I'm not saying why I'm doing it. Even though the, the first time I did it was because my stepfather looked at me in the car and said to me, um, he goes to me, I got a prison. And he said to me, I got a prison. And the more dash with the key with you. And it also is better without you. Along them lines. I didn't know what to say. I was numbing. I slipped it. Didn't know if to get angry, not to be sad. I was quite the car and walked. Do you get me? And that's a shitty thing to say to someone that you're supposed to be a guide a, a guide and a um, guardian over. Do you get what I'm saying to you? And that was the first day I ran for home. And that's why I kept running for home all the time. You know, real talk, I just kept running for home all the time. So uh, it just reached a stage where not even if I got beaten, it didn't bother me. Nothing bothered me. I just didn't give a shit. Do you get what I'm saying to you? As much as I didn't give a shit, in reality I did, because I loved my mum deeply and dearly. I knew she loved me. But I would never really tell her everything was going on. Because even when I first went home, I did tell her that. He said what he said to me in the car. I just left it. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying to you? I was that bottled up with my emotions. I didn't talk. That's why I always encourage young people to talk, because that shit really messed me up. By not talking, how I really feel messed me mentally up. Do you get what I'm saying? And... That's my, my, what happened in my personal life as a youth, growing up and doing a lot of mentoring with young kids and even parents, like our mental families too. I see a transition between men and women in our relationships where a man feels like he doesn't trust his woman uh, and it causes argument the kids sees. I've been through different various cases with families. Then a woman feels like the husband's abusing her but she doesn't tell no one what's going on in the home. This, my personal experience of bottling up my shit, I see it transpire into other people's actions for different reasons. And I can always tell when I'm dealing with family dynamics, when I mentor young people, and especially because I don't like to mentor young people that work with their parents as well. But I think it's more powerful because then you get to understand the dynamics of what's going on in the family home. And I just see that that pattern of people not expressing how they feel, it's dangerous. Of course. It's dangerous. It's a very dangerous, very dangerous thing um, for, to do that, to, to bottle up your emotions. It's, <laughs> it's mad dangerous. So anyway, so me. Um, so you've ended up out in Jamaica. While you're out there, were you staying with family out there? You yeah, family out there it, my mum's really from Jamaica. She's from Kingston. She's from East Kingston. Yeah. But what it was because of my violence, and I went to New York as well. I forgot to mention I went to New York at the age of fourteen. I felt kicked out of high school. My last high school, uh, I was 40, 15, I went to New York, fourteen. And mum was like, "Nah, she wouldn't be staying in New York, but because my cousins were." So, you know, they were, they were, they were, one of my cousins was street, real street. Yeah. She was like, nah, man, New York's not for you. You get me? Because then just be, you're gonna, it's going to be wild for you. So, so even worse. Like, yeah, it'll be worse. So she's like, nah. So, um, but I was in family in Jamaica, but it wasn't her family. 
So and from the get-go, I didn't like the people I stayed with because she asked me to stay, my stepfather was from country, St. Anne's. She, she asked me to stay with his, she asked his family to I could stay with them. But because my dislike for him, naturally I'm not going to want to be around them. Yep. It's a natural barrier I put up. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm young. And I mean, even adults do the same thing even today. If you have a dislike for somebody, you kind of feel reluctant not to deal with their people because you don't know how to take them. Oh, definitely. And that's just me. As a young you, I felt like that. And so I was going through a lot of grown-ass emotions when I look at it, what grown-ass grown people do. I was going through it as a little boy. And so I went there, I didn't really take for them from the beginning. So, and I won't say everything was all about them because they, they were a bit messed up people. They were a bit messed up like him. But some of them were nice, but I just couldn't let them in. So that didn't work for me neither. So I was even I had problems with them as well. And it was just mucky. And um, while I was, but the, the little time when I did go there to, to, after the police situation with Brixton Police Station, being my alibi when Queens Park and, and Hampstead Police came for me, what 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 I ended up doing was making it. I was 2016. I made that. I, I made the transition to be in Jamaica. And I said to my mom, I promise I'll make it work. So I tried. 2016 to 19, I mean, not 2016, what's the name? I was 16 years old to 19. That was 1990, it was 1990 to 94, I came in 94. 91, 91, beginning of 91 to 94. Yeah. Um, Because 1990 to 91, I kept going out three times, and 1991 to 94, that's when I came back, 94. And um, the three years, three and a years bit I was down there, fuck, I, was, I, I created mayhem down there. So you weren't working a legit job and doing anything sensible? No, I was supposed to go to school, but because I had the altercation with that drugs, my son, he went to his high school, I was supposed to go to. So I was, we had an altercation on the beach. After that first altercation, when I went down to Jamaica, like I said, second time, I had an altercation with him again. He bought me on the beach with a couple of his friends and because of the big drugs, my son, I had, a, I had my friends, but they're idiots. They, they wouldn't, they weren't standing up for me, innit? They took to the sea, and um, I still had my book, they took to the sea, they were cowards. So I took a ramble knife of one day and I was like, I'm going to walk up there myself and, you know, it is what it is. I, it's not the first man I'm going to poke, I'm going to poke one. Because the ramble knife had the jagged ramble, you know, the jagged ramble knife has a compass on top of it. Yeah. It's one of them. So I knew, if I put it in you, I'm pulling out a piece of your organs. So I was like, come on, going. So when I was going to go up there now, everyone's trying to me, don't go, don't go, don't go. But they already knew that they can just call me Rudy down there, innit? Because they know, that's what they call me Rudy, because they're like, this English, you can handle this business. Do you get what I'm saying to you? So I went down there. And, um, but there's a coolie guy who ended up supporting me, saving me. They call him um, Mr. Jump. He ended, up, he ended up saying to me, he ended up saying to them, like, what's going on with the foreign? And they're like, ah, oh, you know, he's, he had a problem with so-and-so, top drugs my son, and this and that. So I said, yeah, is it? No, he goes, is it? He goes, come. So he meaning walked up, ready to defend the thing. The guys weren't having it. They weren't, they weren't looking to beef with him because he was a known, he was a, this coolie, like, Indian looking guy, you get me, but he was rude boy, can handle his business, big man. You get me? So me and him walked up there and I thought to myself, I'm never walking out these these weak hearts again. So I went up there with him, we walked past them, nothing happened out of it. But because me and the guy went to the same school, I didn't really spend much time in school. And be honest, I didn't give a damn for school anyway. So it was like double the bubble. I didn't he was at the school, there's no one gonna be in the same school with him, we're gonna be beefing there, I'm gonna kill him in school, he's gonna kill me. It's, it's bottom line, there's no other way around it. You know, the reality is death is the, is the, is the, is the, is is the be all and the end all. It, I just knew it. You get what I'm saying to yourself. Forget this school. And plus, he, I didn't care for school anyway. To be honest, I was in that frame of mind. I didn't care for school. So 
I just spend a lot of time just chilling and just doing my own thing. But on the streets and that, and yeah, 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 do my own thing. Like the stepfather family just did, they didn't know what to do with me because I didn't know what this is. Nobody, like my mum's not there, so mum sent my little sister down to, to hopefully that will calm me down, innit? So she was her life was messed up because of me, because she was she had no problems in England. She had to leave England, go to come to Jamaica, and mum put give me some responsibility. It will settle me down, but to be honest, it didn't. I kind of made my own way to Kingston and I found my own family. And then I made my own way to, I just started running, I found, I had a lot, made a lot of friends. And then um, I just started running wild in Kingston, Spanish Town. And because at the time I knew a lot of reggae artists, well, you know, there's artists that I knew that are very popular artists, reggae artists, I knew them in Spanish Town, Kingston. You know, um, I would visit them and, you know, I'd get dub plates from them and I'd sell it, get sell it to sounds. And I was just doing my own thing. I was literally doing my own thing. I was supposed to go to college, I didn't go there. So they go to college, I'd go chill out with my mates around the go-go club. You hear me? Like I just was, I was just, I was just a wild child. But I got myself in a lot of problems during those three years. A lot of problems. Like in St Anne's, there's a uh, police called Pepsi, Pepsi Killer. And they, every time the police want to kill people, which he'd bottle a bottle of Pepsi like that. And the same code code there, I throw on people every time he killed these victims. Okay. And like, I had a problem with his niece because uh, some situation she thought she could talk to him like I'm an idiot. And I just tell, I, you know, I, I did something a bit crazy, and then um. He said he's pretty threatened to kill me, and I said, whatever, and I don't give a fuck. So that was the situation. I had next problem with the next little police, a few other police down St. Anne's. I got myself some mad altercations in town, like crazy ones, like madness, because I got myself into a lot of problems in, in um, Jamaica still, you know, because once a crime, still a crime, so I'm not going to go into details, you get me? But there was people knew that I was. Was there gunplay in that around you? In Jamaica. There was a lot of gunplay in Jamaica. You get me? Like, um, to be honest, like you know what I'm saying, Jamaica in the city, King City and Spanish Town, that gun culture is a you get me, it's a big thing. So I got myself into situations, you get me, and um the people I was hanging around with were known for certain situations. You get me? So it's like <laughs> I wasn't the wisest of choosing best companies, if that makes sense. And again, I'm not saying my people, my friends are bad neither because all the thing I'm saying that they were bad. They live in a certain environments, in certain situations, that's a part of their life. Do you get me? So, um, it's so natural. Were you becoming part of the gangs and that? Sorry to interrupt you. Um, and like the posses as such? As... You see, when I become part of the gangs and posses, tell the truth, I was, um, I rode with certain people who, people labelled them in gangs, and people might label them in gangs. But, um, like, for instance, an altercation happened in St. Anne's with two of my friends. I talked about my book, one friend called Hatted. He come up here called Jusland. I call him Hatton in the book because I don't want to say his real name because he is at current uh, a wanted guy in Jamaica. So I don't use the name in my book. I call him Hatton. Um And his cousin is from Jungle, a place called Jungle. You know, Arnett Garden. These are my friends of a road, you know. So the character of these guys are very well known to doing, you get what I'm saying, to putting in work. And these are the people I worked with. So people, it wasn't, it wasn't really rocket science what for people to work out what I was to get up to as a youth in Jamaica because be a man from foreign, I'm in English. And when you have problems like with anything, you have problems in your area. It's um sometimes an out of port face is good. That's I'll just leave it there. Sometimes an out of port face is good to take care of situations. So my situation was like I was a youth growing up and I got myself into things that I shouldn't have. Moved, I shouldn't have got myself into, 
But it's with mine was that, you know? And um, when I was in St. Anne's, you know, even down there, when I was in St. Anne's, there was been up a side scheme one time. And I'll never forget, there's been a side scheme. This is during the three years I was down there. There's been a side scheme. And then um, there's the guys who were doing security. Side scheme is like a scheme, housing housing scheme, a housing scheme, housing project. And uh, it's a side scheme down in Rene Bay. And the guys who were controlling it all had licensed firearms, of course, because you're controlling the housing scheme that's getting built so that they have to make sure no one don't go into the house and squat and anything else. But we knew some of them guys in there because they were more, 90%, 90 of them were from town. So we knew one or two of them, one from Jungle and a few other places, one from Greenwich Farm. And we knew them in it. So got friendly with them. So everybody started saying <coughs> we had illegal farms over there. But the police in the local community, the local police couldn't do nothing about it neither because the fact that these guys are licensed firearm holders and they were security guards, they couldn't say whether the guns over there were legal or legal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you haven't, they haven't the right to go over there to search because these guys are security. Okay. You know, um, so on that note, people were saying a lot of things about us in St. Anne's, about myself and my friends that we had, you know, that thing, you had legal firearms. And I'm not going to test and say we did. I'm not saying we didn't. I'm not. I'm not. I just don't even get involved. What people say, I let them say. It. It's like people say. People say things even with regards to like where we are, Stonebridge here, down the road from here was House and High Street. Um, I'm in Church Road. The, the police claimed one day that I pulled a fire on them. Uh, just just down the road from here, police claimed. That. I didn't. I ain't saying it. I will tell you what the police. Cause I talk about my book, but this is the police's story, not mine. I. Um, I just checked a friend of mine in Church Road. He's doing very progressive stuff right now in Church Road. He runs the organization Church Road. Um, he works with young people. Very good guy. Now, I, coming from, I, I'm just finished linking him for a specific reason. The police say it's a random search of a random stop search, some random stop search of a, of a car, which is contact which I was in. So what age were you alleged at this time? This time, this time I, this time I had, uh, um, so this is when you just got back from Jamaica after them times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, came, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just came back because I was 19. Because what is, if I'd been going to that still, I was, I was 19, I had to come back here. Because I went there, like I said, I was 16, 15, 16, 16. I spent three years, I came back, I was 19. Yeah? Is there any sort of major reason why you came back at 19? Yeah, because, you remember this, I told you about the altercation with the guy that, um, with me and the biggest drugs of my son? Yeah, so it ended up escalating throughout the whole time. No, yeah. what happened, same, same guy who, well, like I said, the, the, there's a lot of rumours about me in different situations and police saying oh, we had firearms and St. Anne's and then there was m people in Kingston I had problems with as well because I was doing stuff in Kingston, I was getting involved in things I didn't need to get involved in, in Kingston and Spanish Town. And then what happened is... So the boy's dad was a known drug lord. Yeah, in St. Anne's. Big drug lord. Big, he's known now to a big drug lord. What's his name? Did you say no, no, I won't say his name. I don't want to, you know, it's not like opening can of worms. Of you course. Get but um, it's like when I... What happened is um, me and the same guy who I said saved my life on the beach, the coolie guy, the Indian guy, we ended up having an altercation ourselves because, again, he um, upset my bridge in them. Well, he upset me and my bridge in them still. But my bridge in them don't know him in it, so they was going to kill him. So I didn't kill him. I just gave him a couple cuts. Do you get what I'm saying? But I did it in front of a big crowd. Cause we was all drunk, we was all high, everyone's on weed, everyone's smoking, everyone, you know, got a lot of liquor down us. And he so he too has you know being coolly, like Indian looking long here. Um 
I grabbed him by his hair and pulled him down. You know, and I took my friend's my brother's three star knife off him. Three stars like a Jamaican ratchet. It's got three stars on it. So three star ratchet off him out and I busted. I didn't know if I was standing, but I didn't. I just gave him a couple of big slices in his back, you know, and then pushed him off. And then just, just and then kept him away from my friends because my friends tried, still tried to kill him. You know, because my virgin, like I said, I used to park some really um, wild dudes, you know. They were, they were, the environment they lived in allowed them to be how they were. It's the circumstances born. You get what I'm saying? When you live in certain garrisons in Kingston, final job is a very, is, is, a, is, is, is like zero chances in certain garrisons. You get me? You, it's hard to get jobs. Money's, not easy to get, so a life of violence and crime is a must. And plus, you got to protect the neighbourhood as well. Because in Jamaica, you have garrisons, and certainly, like over here, people say, you know, gang stuff. Jamaica's a bit different. You really have to protect your neighbourhood. You get me? Because politics, whether it's Labour and PNP politics or it's actually just gang politics, so you have to protect the garrisons. So, you know, some people, it's just not that they get up and want to be violent. It elevate them from poverty, elevate them from the suffering of not having the prospects to get a job, and I guarantee they will do different in their lives. Does yeah. that make sense? It's like putting someone, it's like leaving ten, all three of us in a room with no food and then throwing a piece of chicken in a month later. No matter how we're in here talking with friends, we're going to fight for that piece of chicken. <laughs> you get what I mean? And that situation, the garrisons, if their people are broke, the reality is alleviate the poverty, yeah. give people opportunities, give them a chance, and then you'll see them thrive. After that, people are going to try to force them to find other ways. So again, that's what I'm saying. It's not about judging the people or my people or judging you in the ghetto of why they live. It's look at this construct that's designed for them. Do you get me? I like to do, like I said, look at the things more emotionally, more intelligent, I mean, and to realise that this, this the way the system set for certain use is not too good. So for me, with my situation, when I came back, like I said, when I came back in 19, after all that, so me and a couple of happened, I cut him up and Everyone said, listen, I've got away with too much. People wanted him to charge me. He said, no, I'm not charging you, because he knew me well, and we were friends. But that time, he was all drunk, and he's a rude boy. He's a bad boy. He's a bad man from St. Mary's, isn't he? He's not no either. He's a bad man from St. Mary's. And he, in his mind, it's like, he's not going to charge me, because man, I'm not in for. He's not in for, because he's like, blood, yo, I rate your thing, and I know what you're about. You don't know what my bridge name is, still, but you know what I mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, to charge you, and go out and make a friend. But you get me, he's like to me, boy, enough people that don't like you, but I already knew that. You get me? I know not people like me say that because, like I said, I had friends coming down there from town, finding girls down there, jamming down there, and you know, keep up their own madness. So they didn't like that. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Yep. So it's like when I'm in, when I'm, I ain't come back to England since I was at 19. My mum dies on me. So you must have been double wild when you come back to England now, like even after three years in Jamaica causing havoc. It's, uh, yeah, you know what? Thinking of this. But you know what, though? I'm when I came back to England, right? I tried, I was actually going to chill with her. My mum died on me. She died on me because uh, I seen her from South Remember, I seen my mum since I was 15. Rest in peace. Tomorrow. 15, thank you, bro. 15, I seen her. I left Jamaica, left England, gone to Jamaica. 15, well, I just turned 16, 10 and 16. Um, and then she dies on me. You get me? Like, she died on me. As she moved back to England, she died on me. And I, that kind of got me angry and allowed me to just. And when the anger comes in, your mind's confused, trouble don't set like trouble set like rain in it. I started just wilding out again. Got slowly got caught back up in some things. But I had a beautiful woman in my life at that time. And um was trying to make things work. But at the same time I was dabbling with the streets and that's when me and my friends got together again. I used to power with like I said, my school friends. Yep. From Stonebridge, Churchill and Kilburn, we all started powering again. And I was rolling with them, plus I was rolling with the original Kilburn set man, because I was rolling with different people, you get me? 
I've always been doing my own thing, no matter what. I was a man, I know how to handle my own business. So I was just about doing different things and I was trying to be positive at the same time, but I was doing negative too. You get me? And I was doing a lot of negative. You know, not to go into details about things, but I was doing a lot of negative. But that's when the altercation happened with me and these youths in, around here in Church Road. Well, I tell you about the guy who's doing positiveness in Church Road now. Yeah, we had a little something happen between my friends and his friends and, you know, I came to talk to him about it, but the police, they claimed, again, I blame, they came, because I'm not going to actually say, I'm not going to say sit here and say, I put a firearm on police. They claimed that I pulled a firearm. They, because them days, everyone wore baggy t-shirts, and them days, it was like, now we got straight, you think we're wearing straight clothes now. It was baggy t-shirts, baggy jeans. So, it was all big clothes, it? those hip-hop days, big clothes. So, I'm in a cab, leaving that church road after talking to my friend, eyeing out situations, and then they turn around and say that it's a random check. Whether it's a true or not, whether it's a random check or somebody sent it to me, do you get me? Because thinking whatever they're thinking. They, the police says that I jumped out the cab, because when they come, pull the car up to the cab, they say I jumped out the cab and then I stuck my hand at my top like this. Because I've got a big t-shirt on, and my t-shirt went out far. Now, I don't know if it's a finger or not, see, I can drop my finger, innit? But at least I stuck something at them. You get me? And then they just froze. You feel me? But, you know, they said I stuck something at them, looked around. This is what they said. They looked around. And then they guessed maybe because it's Main High Street. And I, and I don't know, I didn't want to bust it on the Main High Street and bait myself up, kill the police on High Street. So they said I ran. They, they said I stuck at them and I ran off. Yeah? One other station came down. The whole place came down on me. We didn't. Say well, about 10, 15 minutes, they found me walking through the block. Right to me, BAM! Instant fighting, we just start fighting. So we start fighting, that's how I knocked out my teeth, out my mouth. You get me, I got my two teeth come out, boom. You get me, then took me station. The station there was that, they found a little bit of weed in me, but they could charge me, that let me go. Because I said, listen, you're going to charge for a little bit of weed. Because they, they had their search the whole place for, for this firearm. And I'm like, shh, there ain't no firearm. Now they said I dashed it away, you get me? Well, I gave to somebody. I'm not again. I've used what they said it's, in my book. I always say they said. Cause I say I'm never gonna sit here and say I put a fire on police. Like I'm not gonna do that. I didn't get catch for. I'm not dumb. I'm looking fame. That's what, I'm just going by what they say. Same from my book. They said it. It's not me. So they claim I did it. And um, for me, it's like situation is even that though. When I look at it, mentally, where was I to allow myself to get into that situation anyway? Do you get what I'm saying? Like. I just had a, I had a beautiful girl, like I said, I, met, I came out to England, met a beautiful girl. Why couldn't I get my act together? My mum just, my mum was not too long died. I need to sort myself out, innit? Like, mentally, I need to get, actually put myself in a better place. But that's how messed up my mind was. I look at it, there's no intelligence in that. That's actually really stupid, to be getting yourself involved in street life. You've got a beautiful girl. You've got a child as well. I had a child as well at that time. Like, what was I thinking about? Do you get what I'm saying? So when you look at some things we do, we risk our freedom for the sake of stupidity. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying I had a firearm that day. I'm just saying the fact is, even having myself in an altercation with the police, the reality of risking my freedom when I've got a woman and a beautiful child to look after, like, what was that? That doesn't make no sense. The, the risk versus reward doesn't make no sense. And the, the reality versus illusion doesn't make no sense because the reality is, I would have, if I did have a firearm on me and I got caught for it, I would have got five years anyway. Then times in five years and then times I think they used to charge you for shots. If you get five per shots. Yeah. yeah. So what I would have done all that and lost my child and my woman for whatever 
because the altercation was with somebody in Chance Road. Yeah. Doesn't make much sense, like, bro. Like, when you think about the things that people risk their freedom for. Yeah, there's no sense in crime. Then there's no sense in crime. That's what I'm saying. The things that people risk their freedom for, when you just have that emotional tendency to look at things properly and think, rah, that doesn't make no sense though. Like, why was you really doing that? Like, the bottom picture, the bigger picture is, there, there must have been, if they, if, there must have been a better way of doing your work at a situation. Does that make sense? Like, your zone divide should be the last thing. You get Any me? other like, way, yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, I just want to get violent, get stuck in. You get me? And, and even that, like I said, I'll never sit here and say, I actually pulled that out of fact. You know, the only people who know the truth is me, the guy in Church Road, who, who you know, he knows, he knows who he is. The fact is you're out of control. I, yeah, times. the fact is with my mentality, I was out of control. You get what I'm saying to you? And the reality is, why would I, and the police, of course, they know the truth, whether they think it is the truth. But I'm, like I said, I don't really get involved in all that. All I know is where my mentally was. A mental, to even put yourself in a predicament where that police can accuse me of anything, can't have been a good place. Do you get what I'm saying to you? I psychologically could not be in a good place if I could, I'm in a place where they could actually accuse me of something, of doing something as mad as that, to want to pull out a fire on them in a broad day. Do you get what I mean? So, um, whether it's under my top or not, to, you've got to be in a real mentally bad place. Mm-hmm. You get me? So, for me, it's like, nah, like, I just think a lot of people really need to, to really analyse the things they do in life, you know, whether it's on the same scale or less or even worse. We need to really check ourselves in this society, both men and women. You know, the way we conduct ourselves, like, are we really born for this purpose of living life crazy? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, everybody's been, everyone's got, everyone's born for a purpose, everybody. Everyone on this earth has a purpose. If you're black, white, in the Chinese, small, rich, poor, you all have a purpose. And I'm, I doubt anyone's purpose is to really be psychologically unhappy. That can never be a part of your purpose of being in existence, to be psychologically unhappy. Because to do violence, crimes, those kind of things, you have to be psychologically unhappy. And if you're happy doing it, because don't get me wrong, there are pleasures. I'm not going to lie and sit here and say, I never got pleasures in doing certain things when I was younger. I never got the, the, the thrill of it, knowing I could walk through certain areas and kings and people say, yo, gangster, why I go on? And that thrill made you feel like, oh, they seem as a... So psychologically, I got pleasure out of violence in a certain aspect. Which makes you kind of morbid. Well, the status and the ego, the ego, and the bonus but all these it. things are negative. The status and the ego, they're all negative. They're not. They're not yep. good energies. Yeah, yeah. They're not good emotions. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So you're attaching yourself to things that ain't actually helping you to be a better society or even be better than you. It's not being at the best in you, really. No. Do you get what I'm saying? And these kind of things, like I talk to young people, I, talk, I do a lot of workshops. I try to, I, I never try to get into their heads and like, this don't make no sense. Like half the things we do don't make no sense. But then, yeah, like I'm saying, so I'm here, back in England, getting into trouble, doing positive at the same time. Because I was doing music, I was I had my own t-shirt design. Because at that time, after a while, I started growing locks. So I wanted to try to um, pull away from this whole street life. So I had a French, some French white guys who loved my t-shirt design. They were going to buy my company off me. Do you get me? I was doing, so I said, Russell t-shirts, banging they were gonna buy my t-shirt. I had a lot of good positive things going on. So you're proper on the rest of life at them times there then. Yeah, but I was in the streets. Yeah, but I was in the streets. I loved the rest of life when I was young. Conflicted. Yeah, I was conflict. I was conflict. Conflicted is still emotional, angry. Like I haven't, I hadn't dealt with my anger. You know, like you, like the thing is, inside people wear masks in it. You can cover yourself up. Like you can come across this lovely person, but deep down you're really angry, or you're bitter, or you're jealous, or you're grudge. These are the traits that humans carry. Shouldn't carry. It's not natural for us. Because natural in any 
whether religion you believe in or any way of life, everyone's born happy. I mean, we've got a child, no baby's born naturally. I'll say naturally. No baby's naturally born violent. And I'll say natural. Why? Because, of course, if I have a woman in my life and I nab that woman, shout over, scream at her while she's pregnant, then naturally I traumatise that baby in the womb. Because mm -hmm. anything that happens to a woman while she's pregnant affects the child, right? Yeah. So, and if the woman's naturally upset with me, even if I'm a good guy and I'm perfectly good, but she's got emotional issues and she's constantly screaming at people. Because again, like I said, I work with a lot of people. I do, I, I'm a person, I deal with the mind thing a lot. I, I love psychology. I love looking at the, the mind because I think that's the aspect that people don't really look at, emotional control. And even as a woman, if the man's done nothing wrong, the woman's unstable because of whatever she's gone through in life and she's not allowing herself to be calm and relax while she's pregnant, she's also traumatised the child. So, Again, a child can be born traumatised, but in a natural state of the way people are born, in a natural state of going back to whatever religious believe in Adam and Eve or whatever you believe in chemitology or whatever, God created people to be at peace and harmony. And he wants that for us, harmony and peace. But fuck me, sorry, just so swear about this. We're not taught to focus on harmony and peace. We're taught to focus on bullshit. Do you get me? We're letting the most futile things Get us crazy and lack of emotion. Like I said, we've never been taught at school. I can't take, I can't think of no one who tells me that they learned how to deal with emotion at school. Like, they had a big subject on emotional control and how to deal with your emotions and how to control your moods and, you know, even meditating and breathing. They maybe they might reduce it now, but back in days, they weren't doing that shit with us. Do you get what I'm saying to you? So, didn't know it. And um, it just, it's just the wildness of life. Like, I just, I just feel like it's important that we, try to really, you know, address how we deal with things. And of course. Me as a young person, I didn't know how to deal with things. Yeah, so you had, like so you said, you had a lot of, you'd come out from Jamaica, you had a lot of positive stuff, you're trying to be spiritual, you've got a yeah. beautiful partner, you've got a child as well. Yep. And so... Still caught up in helping friends, because again, I had a lot of misplaced loyalty, bro. Yeah. I think this is a big problem as well. Society will think of misplaced loyalty, people don't understand what that means. Misplaced loyalty. You're loyal, but it's misplaced loyalty, like, my friends will have certain problems over here and I'll be like, that's one, I'm coming, I've got you, bro. I shouldn't have been, I've got you. I've got a child at home and I've got a woman. Should have done instead. Yeah, come on. But a lot of us do that. It's misplaced loyalty. My loyalty to you going to make me run out of the road, do some madness. And I mean, we were doing madness, bro. Like, not to do, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying, because man ain't going to inform myself, but man, we're doing madness. We're getting doing, serious. Yeah, it can get serious. Like, man can be, man can be getting mad sentences. You get what I'm saying to you? We're doing madness, but I should be at home with my woman and child. Really? Like, who's gonna look after them? You get what I'm saying to you? Like, misplaced loyalty, we do it all the time, or even if it can be as minor things as you've got a couple grand in your yard and your brethren needs it because he's, he wants to double up on his money. And you're gonna give your brethren knowing you've got things to do for your family. Like, it's misplaced loyalty, and a lot of people do that. We, 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 we caught a misplaced loyalty, even we do it even our party in relationships, people misplaced loyalty. I just feel like, we don't understand, not just, I want to, I'll say we, I'll say a lot of people understand what it means to really be loyal, how to, what real loyalty is. Because first you've got to be loyal to yourself. Before you can be loyal to anybody, even my partner, I have to be loyal to me. I have to be loyal to my true emotions, because my partner might want me to do things that I don't think is good for our relationship, or I don't think it's good for myself. But I go along with it. You find it all the time, it's like men go along with things they don't like, women go along with things you don't like. But that's not being loyal to you. So that in itself is misplaced loyalty. Worse, on a deeper scale, you're doing it for friends on the streets. You're going to have to do madness for what? And put your family in danger? That, whether it's physical danger, 
mental, emotional danger, or psychological, what the hell, what for? But we do it. In society, there's misplaced loyalty, that again boils down to emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence, a lot of things that we do triggers and falls back into emotional intelligence. Like, it's one of the biggest things in the world that people just overlook. And that's how, and that's, that's the best way to address traumas. Do you get what I'm saying? Because a lot of these things were, as a traumatized society, and we are a very traumatized society, yeah. without a doubt. We start with emotional intelligence, and then we're like emotional intelligence. We start doing a lot of things, you know, we do a lot of things that doesn't help the families, the family, um, family dynamics, and the you know the happiness of family. So yeah, that's that's me. Like I was. So is it loyalty to your friends in the streets that sort of ended up screwing things up with that partner yeah, at yeah, times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. loyalty to the streets definitely screwed up a lot of things for me. It, um, loyalty to the streets and loyalty to friends that I did need to be loyal to. And again, my misplaced loyalty caused some of my friends to be either not here today or yeah. um, locked up for a very long time. So at those times there, though, you managed to avoid any prison sentences in this country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I've never swerved. been in prison in the UK, to be yes, honest. Yes, I swear to it all. Yeah, I've never been in prison in the UK, so, you know, thank God. Um, and then I went to Jamaica. Because what made you go back out there, then? Oh, man, it was a mad one. Cause now, what age my, was this, roughly? This, came I came back at 19. I was on road to 22. Okay, so it's three, three years. Straight back up. Yeah. Was it sort of ended with a relationship and stuff? Or? No, I wish it was banging. That's the thing about it. I wish it was banging. I had a banging relationship with a beautiful woman. We had two children by this time. My name, my name something happened. And people called my name to something. I uh, in the countryside. And then... Not wanting things to escalate or anything to go wrong, I decided that I'm going to cut, leave the country. Do you get me? I decided I'm going to leave the country. And plus, at the time I was doing music as well, I was doing reggae music and um, I was really... So you were happy to be in Jamaica to be doing the music? Yeah, because it, it, it was beneficial for me to be in Jamaica doing reggae music. Um, but at the same time, my son as well, I wanted to get my son... My son I had my son in Jamaica... My, my first son was in Jamaica and then um, I wanted to go get my name on his birth certificate. So that was the next reason why I actually went out there as well. Yep. To get my son's birth certificate. Plus, it says that everything in one. I had a lot of things going on over so here. you had one child in this country and one in Jamaica or two no, children No, I had here, one child in Jamaica yeah. before I came back to my partner. One child, when I left in 19, I had a girl pregnant. Yeah, so you had one there and then you ended up having two children over here. here. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and I wanted to bring that one over here, over there in Jamaica, back to the UK. Yeah. So everything kind of worked in the same thing. So me going back, me going back out there um, in 1998 was to deal with a bit of music. My name called, like I said, my name's called from something. I was going through a bit of madness at that time as well, uh, mentally, because there's a lot of things going on. And then um, it was also to get my son as well. Do you get what I'm saying? To sort my, my name, my son's, my son's birthday. So I went out there. It's a home from home for you, anyway. You yeah, 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 yeah. Plus, I, most of my friends over here were yardies. That's what, what they call yardies. You get me? So people had come over here from Jamaica. Jamaica, yeah, like Jamaica. People call some people call Jamaican yardies gang yeah, yeah. members of Jamaica. So um, there's a lot of a lot of friends I had. So anyway, so I'm going over there. Ninety-eight. Went down to St Anne's. Short, long story short, went down to St Anne's uh, where my son was, and then. Yeah, I ended up getting an altercation with some guys down there, and that's when the guy lost his life. And um, Can we talk about the, how that happened and the specifics of that occasion? Or how, how did this man lose his life? You know, what sort of situation was it? It was a situation I, I stabbed him twice. 
over um, what, what, in the street, or was this... Yeah, what it was, to be honest you, to be honest with you, it was a madness, because he's... Him personally, I don't even know him. That's the reality, I don't even know him. But what happened is, he was with some people who, me, they talk a lot of madness around me. They know I'm hot-headed, innit? And how long have you been out there, sorry, before this happened then, back uh, at... I can't remember, what's that, a week and a half or two? Oh, so I literally just got back out Just there. got back out there. Literally. Went to look for my son. <clears throat> it was a madness. I, didn't, I wasn't supposed to stay in St. Anne's long anyway. I just went down there. And next minute, <coughs> this... Next minute, it's like, I'm down there and... Didn't pass in any long. Altercation happens. And... Oh, alright, okay. Before, let me just, let me add this to it. Before I went, before 98 when I went down there, I went down in 97, taking some business. Me and my friends from over here. Uh, went down there, me and two young guys went down there. They were different, they met me down there, we enjoyed ourselves. They went and did what they did, I went to get some business, and then we had a little party time out there. At that same time, I bought a nice girl from Tivoli, from Tivoli Gardens. I don't know if you hear about TV Gardens. Garrison for Sharp Yeah, one of the most famous. Yeah, my family are connected to people in Tivoli. I have family connected to people in Tivoli. I went down to Tivoli with my people. Um, and then I buck a girl from Tivoli. Really pretty, gorgeous girl. And I want to bask my down there, gave her. It's kind of like, you know what I mean? Give me the okay for me with us, dude. So I'm with her now. <laughs> and this is the part of the thing that caused my problem in 98. Because again, this is me, most intelligent. I've got a beautiful woman back in the UK. But again, you know, the old thing, you come with girls and all the kind of hype and all the stupidness. I bought this girl. I've spent a week in Jamaica. I promised my baby mother that I'm going to come visit her at one St. Anne's. I didn't go. Because I ended up coming there for a week in 97. And I got this pretty Tivoli girl with me. Beautiful, gorgeous girl. So I'm like, yo, my, my thing is nice. You get me? I'm running a whole different life now. I'm just forgetting about. But I, went, I went to visit my son, gave him gold, gave him clothes, gave me. But I did, by yeah, but I did, did spend time with him like I should have. Do you get what I'm saying? I got caught up with this girl in town for this week out there. Again, so what more intelligence and this lack of understanding of self worth. I didn't understand. I mis misplaced loyalty, everything. I didn't understand. My loyalty should be to my son. I've come down for a week. I, I had things to do business. I had business, like road business. But I should have promised. I promised my baby, well, you know, work with her. And she knew I had a woman again in England. I told her I was spend a couple of days with her. Well, the rules in my books, I'm not hiding, I'm just being honest. I didn't spend no days with her. I didn't spend no time with her. I just, the day I landed, I went to her, gave her the stuff, had sex with her, and I left the country. I mean, left, left and went to town. Not the country, just went to town. On the, the day I'm leaving the country, I went park, because I went to St. Anne's. The day I'm leaving the country, I went down to St. Anne's now to say bye and everything. But I brought the Timberley girl with me. Not smart. Not smart at all. So not only did I mess up my baby about home, the one in England, not only did I mess the beautiful home I had with her and the beautiful two children in 97, not only did I cheat on her, I, so I'm using my, my, my brain for my penis, not my brain for my head. I went to, I set my baby over, plus I took this girl from, this girl from Tiffany down there. So that's just the dumbest thing I can do. Like, I'm laughing, not at myself, like I'm laughing with pride. I'm laughing at the most intelligent to me because how stupid was I? Yeah. Right now, I've got, right now, I've got some beauty for my life. These kind of things I wouldn't even think of doing. I'm too smart, too intelligent, too forward thinking, working documentaries, writing books. I have no time for that foolishness. But then time I didn't understand myself. Do you get what I'm saying to you? And I, I'm not going to use excuses I was young and all this kind of No, it's about emotional intelligence. It ain't about excuses, it's about emotional intelligence. I want people to gather that. But the more I'm saying it, the more I'm saying that 
decisions we need to, decisions we make because you got people in executive businesses making mad decisions when it comes to women and stuff. You got people who are rich people make crazy decisions. So it's not about class, race, color, nothing. It's about decisions we make. It's so important to make the right decisions in life that don't filter on to everything. Action has a reaction in it. So don't make decisions that's gonna have a negative reaction for you. So me, see, my my ex was a was a it wrong move. Me bringing this girl from Tiffany was a stupid even more dumb move. So I brought this girl down. Her family, now she's not there, she's at work. I'm talking to my son. There's only three times there. And this girl's like, everyone, she's beautiful. I want to say dead stop. She's gorgeous, bro. Like, so all the people, all the men are down, the men of my son's family thinking she's one of my cousins because I've got my cousins with me and everything. I've got friends with me. Because a lot of us went down to drop, to carry me home because people love me, innit? Mm. They gave me some entourage going back to the airport with me. So she's, she's, um, she's just there, innit? And some man I try to chat to her. But she's like, nah, bro, like, what happened to you? Like, everything good. She's not, you're not saying, not saying. And she started lipsing me up and kissing me and touching me up. And, but I did tell her the truth. I did say to her, I'm not with my baby brother. I wasn't with my baby brother. We went together. But at the same time, I know I promised my baby brother that I was spent up and that's which I didn't. But I didn't think of how disrespectful it was that I brought this girl down. You get me? So, in a nutshell, my baby brother heard, it? She heard that I had a girl down there with so she went nuts because, again, her family don't like me. Because of all the stuff I was getting involved in down this and that. They didn't like me, didn't trust me, didn't deal with me. I didn't like them much neither. It's just my situation. So we're not together neither, they know that. So the fact that she squeezed her family let me stay there for a couple of days because I'm the father of a child, then I do that to her, that's like you a stab in the back. That, yeah. That's like a stab in the back, do you get me? Of course. So I admit that, like, I, I kind of, I fucked up. <laughs> But how she got me back, that was like, whoa. Like, we talk now, though. And we discuss and we laugh about it. Because I love my son. My big son, Jamaica, he's, more, he's, a, he's a world to me. Me and him talk all the time. And we do stuff together. So she said, she, she, she what happened when I went down 98 down there? That's why I said these guys had the time to. So when I went back a year later, 98, and my, I, got, so I got myself some problem over here in, in England. Name called, and I said, let me get out of it. And, you know, just kill, kill a couple birds with one stone. Go Jamaica, deal with my you. You know, avoid what's going on in the UK, settle down, do some music out there. Because like I said, a lot of entertainer friends. You know, I was I'm known to a lot of Jamaican artists. I had good friends out there that are really big in Jamaican in the reggae music. So it's like, um, let me go out there and just, you know, see what I can do. I'm out there now and it's like, I go to St. Anne's, look, my son. Man, bro, this woman's nowhere to be seen for days. And I'm like, oh, you left my son with your grandfather. Like, what the fuck? Like... I'm frustrated now, and that's where my anger kicks back in, because you're not around for day for about one day. Okay, you don't come home. Next day, you don't come. I'm like, what the fuck? So now the old me's coming back in it. The anger, the trigger. It's, it's, I'm getting triggered in it. So I'm getting triggered. I'm getting frustrated. That time I'm locked up, I'm getting frustrated. The anger's in. Then, them times I used to walk on. I've always walked on knife. Growing up in Jamaica, even over here, I used to, I, like, I love my shanking. I used to love boring people. It's just that's just me. Like I have my knife in it, and I weren't afraid to use it. You know, my cheese styles, I used to walk with cheese styles a lot, but because I realised as a youth, and I'll be honest, my cheese style, when I brought, if I put my cheese style on that man's shoulder or certain places, it would, or even on the, on the other body side of here, it might brook. So I used to just say, forget wearing cheese style, I'm going to carry a, a, a kitchen knife. So I just thought walking a kitchen knife is easier because it's hard to break. Do you get me? So I have my kitchen knife. I'm just being, I'm being very honest and upfront with my truth. So I had a kitchen knife for me, but I had a kitchen knife in a sheath and I had it 
But I was peeling, I hadn't peeled fruits because at that time I was a vegan. Because I was trying to be like us. Like, so I was trying to live a better life and let people see I'm a changed man. So um, I sat around these, with a table with these youths. And remember, I'm frustrated for days anyway. So I sat around the table with these youths. And like I said, they're talking all type of stupidness. And this guy don't know him. So that, to me, is also a threat as well. I don't know you. You're, they're talking all tough. So I don't know you. So the first thing to me is you're more dangerous to me in my mind, psychologically, than anybody else. Because I know these idiots. They know, they know what I'm capable of. I don't know you. So I went for him first. Do you get what I'm saying? And I st- um, and yes, I stabbed him a couple times, and um, yeah, he died. And then um, I got away from the scene. To be funny, it's funny thing I got away from the scene. But something, something drew me back. Like literally, something drew me back to the scene. Now, I don't do those things. I know in that movie thing where you come back to scenes and all that rubbish. That's not my style. Like, man, do what you do, go home and sleep. You get me? And I'm talking, that's how I just know the thing. So what drew you back? I, I lost my I lost my passport there, number one. Cause I went to have a passport with me because I because in Jamaica, because my name was expensive, because you have a thing called Justice of the Peace in Jamaica. These people they help you, they will help you to sign your cause my, I need my passport to prove that I'm my son's dad. So I'm Stephen Graham. You get me? So because my name was on the only passport, blessing, but I wasn't no signature. Now over here you got signed in England, there's no signature on his birth So I need to prove so I'm, I need I need to prove it so I have a passport with me. So I have a passport, but at the same time, I knew from before, from previous times, I could travel that passport because I've done it before. Where I've gone into altercations in other country, passport couldn't be used. I just go to embassy straight away. Can I get a letter? And me saying this now, I'm not encouraging people to do criminal activity. I'm not encouraging criminal activity. I'm just explaining my truth. I don't think no one here listening to think I'm encouraging people how to fly out without a passport. But what I did, I went to the British High Commission and got a letter of um, residency. You get the same day and just leave. Yeah. So I did that. So that's what I could have done, but I didn't. I was on a. I was on a. I did that on the previous time, but at the time of this what happened in Jamaica, I could have done that and I didn't. I actually stayed there. I actually went back there for my passport. Did you know that he died at this point? Did you oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that from. Yeah. I stabbed his neck and his heart. Yeah. Of course, I knew he died. Blood came out. Okay. I knew he's dead from, from the stabbing. You understand? But it's um. No one gets stabbed. No one gets stabbed with a right through the heart with a with a with a with a big kitchen knife. And yeah. right, it bucked in him. I I know he passed. You know, God forgive me. I know he passed. But um. But the reality is, when I'm when I something drew me back there. Like it's like I it's like I don't know. I just just went back. I literally got away and I went back. And when I went back, it's like um. It was a mad one because I went back and he went back. Nobody was doing nothing. The police, but anyway, after a while, the police came. This is cut a long story short. The police came and, you know, they bust two shots after me. I ran, I ran. Then they started busting two shots after me. The only way I realized the police actually come up and think, oh my God, I'm going to get locked up. What the fuck? And I just started running. So I don't know. So at that time, I couldn't work out what even drew me back. I knew I didn't need to go for a passport. But it's like something led me back. But I just feel, I personally, like I said in my book, in my autobiography, I know that I've done too much to keep going. It's part of trying to do good. I've done too much in the past, and I've, you know, even if you, you see, think about life, it's this, eh? I want people to understand this. 
even if a person's hiding behind for somebody else, like say things, if you, if I instigate for you, say I say to you, I, I, I instigate for you, yeah, say, imagine Christian, I say, God, do something for me. If you go do that situation and you hurt somebody or whatever happens in the pipeline, or something, something happens to somebody, not only are you a victim, I'm also a victim. I mean, not only are you a persecutor, I'm also a part of that too. In society, they call it conspiracy. Yeah, like your conspiracy, I was a part of the conspiracy that you, of what you've done. That's in the court of law. But in the eyes of God, I'm more guilty than even you. Because I, I, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Of course, the cause of it. Yeah. So I had more roles to play more things than people could imagine. And on that note, I think I'd done too much to keep going. And I needed to, and I know deep down I wasn't really an evil child or a bad child. I was just a troubled child and I was a traumatised child. And I was also a victim at one time in my life. Because there was a time when I was a victim. But no one knew me was a victim, or no one could understand I was a victim. Yes, because I did talk, but I was a victim at one time before I became a perpetrator. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, people can look and say, oh, you've done this, you've done that. But no, I was a victim. And this is why I don't, people understand that. I don't, why I don't judge no one for what they do. I just try to help people meet them where they're at. A bit like Lazarus and Jesus. And the story where Jesus goes to hell to meet him. He doesn't have to. I'm like, just Jesus, why am I going to help him? But he goes to hell to draw him out of hell. Do you get what I'm saying to you? I'll, I don't judge people. I see people where they're at. Because I realise that I, I look at myself and I say, now I've turned my life around. Who am I to throw stone at anybody? Like, shh. I can't throw a stone if I want to live in a glass house. You get where I'm coming from? So I don't judge people. And I want people to understand that even a lot of guys out here doing crime, whether you're black, white, Indian, Chinese, whatever, Pakistani, whatever, a lot of them, some maybe just pick up fun joke and just want to be criminals because it's a, it's a hype thing. But a lot of guys, especially guys I know, they were also victims in their past before they became the wild guy they became. Whether they're a victim of somebody bullying them and decide that I'm not taking them a bullying, F it, and they start going violent and they, they, they take violence on another level. Or they just, they had a very hard upbringing, but they were a victim in some aspects. Even they're not victims to people, they're victims to society. The, growth, the, 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 the hardness of poverty they've gone through, they're a victim to society, in society. And no one thought of dealing with them and they've just become. So you get me? So yeah. people are victims in many aspects. You know, it's about, it's about looking at things from a wide perspective, not just being narrow minded and saying, oh, you guys are wrong. No, just look, don't judge. Look, wonder why people do what they do. And, um, so on that note, it's like, I'm just, I'm there now, like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get locked up in it because police are shooting up me. I can't, I know I ain't going to get away from this. Isn't it? So I run, they catch me anyway. They catch me in the house. I end up getting stationed and surprisingly, my baby mother turns up. So you can't turn up all the time. But I'm there for the days that I want my young, my son. But when I get arrested in that evening, you end up at the station at night time doing a statement against me. Now, what, what, what dropped my, my child from a murder charge to a manslaughter was when they were to court. Forget my judge, my, my lawyer, he's a, he's a prat. He's just chatting one bag of madness. Like, all that, all that revealed out in the book, he's a crazy guy. He wanted me to do madness. And I, was, I wasn't doing it. My spirit wouldn't let me. You get me? Like I said, I feel like prison saved me because a lot of my friends, like I said, gone on to die or go to prison. Half my friends, are, not even half, half my friends from St. Anne's are dead, that I used to roll with. In Kingston, majority of my friends are gone, just dead. I'm, I'm actually planning to make a documentary soon about my life, and I'm doing, I'll be having a lot of people's kids in my documentary who remember me from back in the day, because a lot of them, their fathers are just not here. You know, some of them were well-known top guys in their areas they lived, because I was a man, I've fluctuated to different areas. Like I said, in Portuguese, people who's not from my areas, 
it's sometimes better to bring someone not from Iraq to come in and take oh, care yeah. of business then you know so I was important so I know quite a few different garrisons now it's it's for my situation it it just didn't play out the way she did what she did she wasn't to be seen while I was go, while I was down to that but when I got arrested she found us magically to set up to the station at night time but then again I don't I don't anger her no more for it because I look back and I say, it was a bit extensive and a bit deep to what, how she dealt with me, keep away from me, because, but then it's based on the anger that I did to her the year before when I brought the girl from Timberley and embarrassed her. Of course. So you know what I'm saying? So I'm saying to her about the reaction of every reaction. I'm not, and again, I'm not pardoning her for what she's done to me. Because I'm not saying everything was down in her, only her fault anyway. Because I'm not saying she actually wanted that to happen to me and these guys kick off. But she just wanted to make me go for a rough time. Not with them, but by not coming home. And just make it put me through bullshit and like me not coming home, she not coming home, therefore I can't sit, therefore we can't get the paper signed and just frustrate me. Just just get at me. Did she want me to end up killing anyone? No. I will never sit down and say that. You know what I'm saying? But her actions allowed the old frustration in me to come out. You get what I'm saying? And then, then um that everything is so that's that's how things can spiral for one thing can spiral for another thing. So sometimes I say about most intelligence. No. If you really can gather your thoughts and really understand what you're doing, and you can prevent a lot of things from happening, because one thing starts, another thing, another thing starts, another thing, and we you know you just got a shitload of bullshit in your life, and that's happened to me. So, thank God, though, because of my, I, I was intelligent enough to know that I wasn't pleading a murder charge, because when I looked at statements, I read statements to everybody, because some people hate me down there. They started lying on the statements, so people started saying lies. That I, I did it for no reason. There was nothing happened. I just did it for no reason. Someone, someone said I came up, she's done it. Someone said I was sitting down doing it. I got the statements right. I got the statements at my house. Like, I got them all still with me. I still got them. Some, some were saying that um, I stabbed him three times. I stabbed him his back and all, top, all type of stuff. Which, that's why in the court, when I went to court, I was like, listen, I'm not going to plead murder. Because look, her statement was just crap. It was about me not being there for her and all type of rubbish. It's just, I was aggressive and I'm like, <laughs> Damn, like, this is going to change my murder child. Like, what's all this about? And I just thought to myself, it's crazy. When I look back at it, even her emotional intelligence wasn't there because you were saying things in your statement didn't make no sense. It's relevant to the thing. So that's why I'm laughing. I'm thinking, like, people do so much things when our minds are not really, like, we're not really, we're thinking from a place. Because emotions are good to have. It's beautiful. You have to have emotions. That's why I say, back to what I said, parents and the kids, to don't cry when you drop on the floor, or, you know, or, you hurt yourself or someone hurts you at school, don't worry, don't let them bother you. That's telling a child to be numb. Because you're not helping a child deal with their emotions. There's better ways to tell a child when a child says, oh, this girl's trouble at school, don't worry about it, just avoid her. She, huh? That's your telling a child to say, cut your emotions off, don't give a shit. It's, not, it's crazy. Parents do that all days. And I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not judging no parent. But it's not an approach I do with my children. My, my girls are just, not, I'm never that approach with my kids. I just won't. I won't be that kind of parent. But it's not saying I'm wrong in a period for doing it. It's something we haven't really told how to deal with our emotions. So we just think to shut off certain emotions or to act with certain emotions. Or it's crazy. But she was not in her right emotional state. That woman when she did what she did, because you know that statement didn't make no sense. But all this worked in my favour because it helped my case. And the statements they made again, their emotional intelligence, they lying and making up things. So it didn't work in their favour either. And then my case dropped to manslaughter. Because of my own self, not because of my, my, my lawyer. I had two lawyers in fact, I had a QC, Queen's Council from Britain. 
And that was a real prat. He just, he just had for money anyway. And the other one was a, this, this, this twat from Jamaica. He didn't have no sense. And he just tried me, told me to plead guilty for murdering. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get you for compassionate leave and be psychological crazy because, like I said, I had on my record there's me from young school days. There's me having mental issues, and you get me. So he said we can work, we can play on that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, damn fool, you crazy. I ain't doing that because if I play guilty for murder, Jamaica's a mad system. And plus, I knew the police won't make an example of me because I got stabbed in jail. Innit? Like, I got, I got cut across here. I got cut. First cut I got here on my chest. You see? Cut my chest. And I got stabbed in my back. Can you see, big, can you see my back? Yeah. Here? So I got stabbed in my back in jail. And that goes, I hurt people in jail too. I'm not going to tell you like I did when I was in Jamaica prison when I first got out for the murder. So they wanted me to play like, I'm guilty. Police set me up in jail to kill me. And when I got my own back on people, police tried to... And this was why you're a remand leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the remand leaders to murder. That's what I'm saying. So I'm a remand. I know they want to kill me because police said, tell me ready, they want to kill you. So you want to kill me and I'm going to now let you... I'm going to do stupidness and please guilty and then in get, let them sentence me for murder, which carries a max, catch minimum 25 for life. Sometimes I get 40 years in Jamaica. And sometimes I get life without parole. And I must let them do that to me because they might make an example of me because... Police are going to put in bad words against me. Town police are going to say, oh, you got to, this guy from back in the days, this foreigner, English boy, he thinks, me, I'm not stupid. I've said no way my police are guilty for a murder. So I was like, nah, 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 I'm fighting this case all day. And I thought, yeah, and by the grace of God, I got down to Mantua. What sentence did you get? I got 15. 15. Yeah, 15, I ended up doing eight. I already spent four years on a month, so um, I've had five more to... Uh, four and four, no, three years of remand. I had about four, uh, five more to do. So you know the, the four years of remand. No, three years of remand. Three years of remand. Did you spend that in a certain? No, 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 no. No, that's certain prison. Because what I spent the first few months in Saint Anne's where I got stabbed and cut, and um, of course I got my own back on others for doing what they done to me now. But then um, I went, I went to King, I went to uh, Spanish Town to run the rest of Circuit because Circuit is Circuit called Spanish Town, where of course Circuit Kangaroo Court. It's called Kangaroo Court. Because it's just fake. But you go from, what is, you go to prison and every three months or so they send you back to court. So you go to prison, three months you go to court, see what happens. So I was in a camp court, I was in about three, 10 circuits. I was about three months, three years, I was about 10 circuits, um, 10 11 circuits. And um, during that time, though, of a month, it was mayhem. You know, I was going through madness because the police stole my clothes in jail. So I had hardly clothes, any clothes going to prison. They stole my money that British High Commission gave me. Big up to prisons abroad. I've never heard of prisons abroad. Yeah, organisation in North London. They get they always give you money and that send that money to them. Big up to them. Um, they do amazing stuff. I'd love to do. I'd love to collaborate with them on anything because I think that what they do is amazing for people. I helped you survive with time out there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they um, they make sure they send that money and that for me. But again, the police stole all that. They stole all my money because um, you had to have a book. They put it in. So when the British Commission put the money in for my family and from prisons abroad, the police would. You have to write the book in the book when you want some money out. You have to write the name to the book. you and you know they give yeah. out deduct your money and everything. They stole my money and said I took. They wrote the day I was leaving to go court. They like when I got sentenced. When I got sentenced, they said to me, "Ah, oh, after that, third year, my third year, they said to me, you know, you um, no, my third year. Within a, within my first few months when I was at court, the first um, first circuit I went on, they wrote 
they wrote my book when I was leaving St Anne's. They wrote my book. Um, it's the first second court. They wrote the book that I took my money out, which is bullcrap. They took away my underpants, given to people because I didn't have name brand underpants. You know, Sean John and them things was wearing them. They did um, Fubu and that. The underpants they gave away, my shoes they gave away. So I ended up going to prison with a ballet, a cheese bottom ballet, and a strap on ballet, white ones, and a Nike Max, and a Fubu suit, and one underpants. When I came down with some nice designs and everything, they took all that, gave it to other prisoners when they were leaving. Do you get me? They told me I signed up for my stuff and I gave away this and I gave away that. What could I do? Of course. What could I do when I'm leaving? I just have to go to the prison knowing that I'm going to have the worst time. I've got no money, nothing. They took all my stuff, toilet shoes, everything. So I went to prison to spare, spare. Had nothing. My, my, I, had to wait. I had to depend on prison issue stuff. I was going through struggles when prison. Bad enough in Britain, I can't imagine what's like the prison Jamaica system prison, right there. Forget, Jamaica prison is a hellhole, bro. In fact, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to, it's, it's talking that, about the conditions and how uh, rough it is. Bro, like I say, you've been stabbed up twice. Just yeah, that's a jail. Okay, listen, jail is madness. There's about 20, about 10 jail sometimes with 6, 20, 12, depending on the map people in the cell, yeah? There's like, in the jail, there's like, wood slabs around. Some might sleep on the floor, some might sleep on slabs. The knife situation in jail is to get bored and like you. I mean, prison, like, if the police like you, they, like I said, they gave man knives, they gave man everything, but they didn't give me. So I, that's why I got, even on my fingers, I got cut from my fingers. Even my finger, I cut my fingers. I had to fight for my shit in it, because no, they didn't like me. You get what I'm saying? The first months I was in there, they didn't like me. They knew what, what time it was. They knew, they thought it was their time to get me, kill me, and it didn't work by the grace of God. You know, so I had, a, I had my only thing I had my toothbrush to sharpen my toothbrush to stab up people with that. It really was like people were getting killed in these prisons. And in jail. Yeah, jail. Yeah, yeah, people got killed in jail. Yeah, people got killed in jail. Yeah. But um, for me, like, I won't make no one take my life. Well, God won't make no one take my life in jail. But in jail, it was cruel, bro. It was cruel. Like, we used to piss in a bucket because there's no toilet in the cell. You piss in a bucket, there's a little, to- little, there's not a proper toilet. It's like a, a bowl you got to squat on and, and shit. And then it's like um, you're getting fed in a, in a basin. This ba- like a you know, like a, a pail, a basin, a basin, a bucket? Yeah. Your food comes in a bucket. You hear me? Like, your food comes in a bucket, you eat out of butter dish and some, some kind of stupidness in jail. And what was the food like then? Food. The jail food, to be honest, it wasn't too bad because the woman who cooked the jail food was a good friend of mine. So I got a respect for her. Like, she cooked the food. That's, she looked after us in jail. She was, was the one that kind of like, we even told my, like, tried to help me at times to get me. But a lot of people didn't like she was looking after me. And so you know when you were in the prison, but, where you are from, England as well? The jail, you, uh, the jail you, was mad though. The make sense talking about the jail. People would beat inmates and make them sit on stand on the grills, right? In the jail, like the bars. Yeah. So like if they didn't like you, man would make you stand up on the bar and hold onto the bar, and you had to sleep on that. What the? Fuck? Like literally, you had to sleep on the bar. So the whole, you know, like the bar, the cell bars. Yeah. They said you can't come down, stay on the fucking bar and sleep. And they'd beat you. My said they couldn't do it because I didn't condone that shit. But people do that. People do that. I didn't condone that in them evil. It's entertainment. Again, people then emotionally just crazy. They're, they're, they're entertainment for them. And it was madness. So for me, I, 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 I saw so much madness in jail. But when I was in jail, people wouldn't generally attack me because they were scared, because they knew I had a reputation on the streets. But again, I know all the, I know the police. Let me say, well, sorry, the police definitely lined up them two guys to try to kill me. Yeah. You get me? But they got they got their own still. So the man got their own back on them. You get me? One got his own back on them in jail, the other one got his own back in the prison. 
one was, was the sorry to interrupt. Was the the prison controlled by the the posses and the gangs, or was it controlled okay, the by prison the officers? The prison runs different from the jail because the prison jail, like I said, so much people locate themselves. Six so explain the difference between the prison and the jail. Okay, a jail, a jail is literally a police station. In Jamaica, jail is a police station um, with big cells with a lot of inmates in one cell. Yeah, and so that's where you are leading up to the court. Yeah, that's so. what got stabbed up. In the, yeah. That's what got stabbed in, in, and cut in the jail. Yeah, but when I went prison, I was not cut in prison still, but um, prison was different. So prison, prison is the real what? Prison, yeah, Spanish on prison. After three months of Miranda, I had nothing. I went to prison. That's where shit was really crazy because prison is not even like slabs, wooden slabs. There's nothing. You're on the floor unless someone gives you a sponge. So I had nothing. Can I had my football top. So I had to sleep on my football top. I take my football top, I would lay on the floor and sleep on it for, for months. Do you get me? I had nothing. And um, I had, like I said, I went there with no food, no, no clothes, no, no food, no toiletries, no nothing. So I had to put on prison issue, which came once a month, which is nothing. Just one little silly cake soap, uh, this mad fab with bleach in it that just made my, my I had a red fugu suit and it made my fugu suit pink after a while. Like I had nothing. You get me? I was going through these mad struggles. A man cut a hole in my earmax, so they put a knife through my earmax and I went to shower. And you get me, there's a, I was going for torture. People, I knew no one on the block. And again, they, they didn't put me around, because you asked about Tug of War, they put Tug of War in the South Block, innit? They put me over Roman, Gibraltar, GB, GB3. Because that's where they put all the yards, the hardcores and that. They put me there, because again, like I said, I, I know they wanted to kill me. Blakesley wanted to kill me. They put me with all them and not put me on South Block where I could have had a better, better sentence. They put me around the back. So I was going for madness around the back, seeing stabbings all the time. Man got killed down there, so my little you, Reggie Bulger got killed. There people got stabbed up around there. And then um, all I could pray for every day was a knife, bro. Like I told my book, I prayed every day for a knife. That's all I wanted. Like, I didn't want my freedom at that time. I'm on my mind, all I wanted was a knife. I'll be honest, because I know myself, I know my capabilities, and I know I'm not scared to use it. I just wanted a knife because I knew I had nothing. Within a week, this guy's punched my, like, punched my face. Do you get me? Pulls a knife out of me, bam, my face. I rushed at him. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Because I'm not taking it from nobody. But the thing with me, after a few, after a while, about a few weeks, month, people started offering me stuff. I didn't want nothing from nobody. I still resilient. I still like, no, I don't want nothing from you. I'm angry. Like I'm like oil and water. You know when you put oil and water together? Terrible mix. And in prison, there's no toilets. So there's no big there's no big bucket like in the jail. They've got a big bucket outside the jail so you can put your penis through the bars and piss. You have to use like, see like these kind of bottles, but a bigger one. Two litre bottle, or you got a jug. You get me? I'll, like I said, I've got pictures to give you to show you. So you can, you, I, I'd like bottles. No, they call it the piss girl. Yeah, piss girl. Yeah. Oh, you tell me tell you, the piss girl. Yeah, the piss girl. I had, the, I had my piss girl, innit? So, and it was like, oh man, when I first went in the night, I went there, I didn't even know I needed all that stuff. There's a guy in my cell said to me, yeah, give me his bottle. I goes, yo, Kai, I goes, what do you mean, Kai? We want to do this. He goes, you have a piss in it. I didn't know what to do, so he cut it for me, innit? Crazy. He's put actually his knife, and, went, and I'm thinking, blood, oh, fuck, I'm looking with guys with knives. I'm like, I'm just pissed, I'm like, I need a knife. The morning I woke up, the first morning, I didn't piss at night. The morning I woke up, I went out, stabbings happened, I'm like, oh my God, like, I need a knife. God, give me a knife. That's all I want, I'm asking God for a knife. I'm not asking for freedom, I just want a knife now. I need a knife, because I need to know I can poke someone back up. That's the, that's, that's the reality of my truth. I needed a knife because I'm the right where everyone's got a knife. I know what happened to me in jail already. I was stabbed in jail. When I got stabbed my back in jail, my back oozed because the guy stabbed me with a big rusty piece of iron. 
And he did. And I saw another one to kill me because basically he was rusty and he stabbed me right in my back. Tried to kill me. And my back oozed and I had to get injections in my bum and in my arm and in my, in my, in my bum. Then go back and get one in my arm and my bum again because it was just pussing yellow and greeny shit. I was fucked. And I'm like, after going through that, that's traumatising. I'm thinking, that I ain't coming here to get killed. So I needed that. All I asked was a knife. I just wanted a knife. I just was humble and just wanted a knife. I just wanted a knife. I didn't want freedom. I didn't want money. I just wanted a knife. That anybody comes at me, I can poke the fuck out of them. That's all I wanted. And that's mentally, that's not a happy way to be or to think. But that's how I needed to think. I needed a knife. It's a pr very primitive existence in jail, especially probably yeah, yeah. 10 times more so it's, in Jamaica. Pr Jamaica prison, everyone's got a knife, bro. Or they got a prison shank or something. I had nothing, can it? Because on the block I landed, I knew nobody. But <laughs> it was a mad one because the guy who cut me in my chest, he also was landed on the block. And that first morning, I'll be honest to you, I was scared as fuck. Because I thought he got friends, they're going to kill me today. Done me, da, 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 da. but he didn't know no one, so he was also quiet on the block. But no one troubled him. I was a target. Everyone's talking, why well, hey, this you come out Jamaica, I'm killing people, firing out, here, think that. And because you're English, does that make you yeah, target, obviously? Yeah, but at the time, Jamaican accent still. I had a very strong Jamaican accent. I still have, even if I saw my cousins right now, you're here, the Jamaican come over to me. Like, I'd be like, yo, I'll go on, da, 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 da. Is it? But they were just talking, I'm just, it gave me, but at that time, I had a strong Jamaican accent. Because I, and, it, and it wasn't like, me transition because I could transition. So if you're talking in patois at them times there, that people yeah. thought you were Jamaican or Jamaicans could still no, be No, but they knew. So they, they knew you were strong. They know they people. People know I was Jamaican. Some people call me deported, but some people say I'm an English. But they knew I was in England. That's the point. They knew I was from England. They knew I was from England. So, but what is I know words and whispers about me. That's what I'm saying to you. From jail, they already tried to kill me. Words and whispers about me. I was taken around the back. I wasn't taken to the front with foreigners go. I was taken to the back. So I already knew words and whispers already there. Police and waters dealing with it. So I already knew there's words and whispers about me, so send me around the back. So I already knew the plot. That something ain't right, because they're putting me around the back. So I knew this ain't this ain't where no foreigners go. There's only two foreigners that have been there and they're both charged for murder in America. You get me American guys. One just re one just recently got released. I talked about my book on Moses. You know, bless him, he's doing great he's doing great for himself and God bless him. You now he's he got released after he was charged for murder. He's like twenty something years old there. prison. Yeah, good friend of mine. Now, um, you know, recently got in touch with him. But it's like, so so for me, it, it's it's that situation where it's like, I knew they wanted me in it. Because most of the foreigners from English and other foreigners, they go to South Block. So I'm like, boy, all right, cool. Around the back, going through madness. I'm fighting all the time people. People are saying that like, this, that, this, saying all type of stuff against me, lying against me, kind of not to give. It's the money by his friends in Jamaica. I never had no money to give. And I won't go to buy friends anyway because I've never been that type of guy. I don't buy friends. I, either you will command my respect. Do you get what I'm saying? Some might call it fear. Do you get what I mean? But I grew up like that. So there's no way I'm not going to be buying friends now. Like that. It's not my style. So one, I have no money to give anyway. So I was always fighting with people. That's why I got cut my finger. And then I was... But the reality, uh, the reality of it though, it won me a lot of respect though after a while. Because after a while there's people realise that this guy's relentless. He's not going to give in. Every time I went in, I was just constantly fighting. He's not going to give in. So after a people just kind of started respecting me, nodding, Stop offer it. me things, offer me phone calls to phone England. Like, I don't want that from you. Yeah. So that kind of got a lot of respect for me. You but smoking what, weed at them times? And then nah, you know what? I stopped smoking weed because I couldn't afford it. I literally stopped just like that, like a click of the finger, bro. I stopped smoking weed. I've never smoked it. Nah, I smoked back since then. Because I couldn't afford it. 
So I didn't know where I could buy a bullet. It was cheap in there. Like, oh, Tucker telling me how cheap it was in there. And so. Louis banging. But luckily he had his dad obviously sending him money. Yeah, out yeah, there, you know? yeah. Yeah, I know. I had done wrong. I had a bad. I got very strong family, big family in Jamaica, in Kingston and Spanish Town, and I was in Spanish Town prison. But my family didn't know I was in Jamaica because I didn't visit that set family. I visited a set family who lived in Kingston eight, yeah, which I didn't really know that set family until two thousand, and not two thousand, Kingston two thousand, until ninety. So I remember I went to ninety eight. I didn't know that set family until 96, 97, when I went to Jamaica, 97 yeah. I met them. So I, so from, from, I was, from 1990 to 94, when I'm out there, I know a different set of family. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Of my own in Kingston, not that side of family. Yeah. But remember I said I wanted to change my life, so I was trying to rust in that. So I was a different set of family to, to start power with. But yeah, so I'm there now, just bear fights in, in, in thing. I'm watching prisoners want to shit in the cell and can't shit and have to hold their shit right through the evening. Like you're locked down two o'clock. Imagine being locked at two o'clock and then you can't shit. And Imre says you can't shit. This never happened to me because I fought for manning myself. I wasn't having it. No one telling me I can't shit. Fuck that shit. Like I'm have to shit. But I've saw inmates not shitting, like literally hold their shit and screaming and crying through the night. Like, because that's enzymes in your body. I've heard it's a madness, even in Germany's country, you hold it until you get out for that hour and then you go to the outside. And imagine holding it for, imagine, use about an hour, imagine holding it from, well, say you get locked down. 23 hours and then yeah. when you get out for that hour. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, it's, that's, not, that's not healthy for you, bro. Yeah, of course. And doing damage to inside. Yeah, inside, mad damage. You're bubbling, you're sweating. Oh, inside the cellmate wouldn't do it and it's just, just, luckily it was only a few days I've got put into one of the cells with a bigger door. But yeah, can imagine, yeah, absolutely yeah, crazy. This, 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 because in Jamaica prison is crazy. So mum was like, no, you can't shoot so I'll stab you up. Because Jamaica cells never one, it's never, it's either one, three or four located. Then times you used to have Amox. I recently told by my brethren, told me recently, that Amox don't, you can't have Amox in Spanish town no more. But in Kingston, in GP they have to have Amox. In Spanish town, no. But then times you used to have Amox. Again, so there's four people in a cell, sometimes five. Now, because only might have two Amox. Now, and it's always three on the floor, one, one on each side and one in the back. And if you're big and tall, like they put in the back and the cells are very small, they're like bathroom size. So if you get put in the back and you're tall, I feel sorry for you because you have to lay like, you know, hunched up and shit. But it's mad because you got piss in the bottle and it's just, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, bro. It's, it's inhuman, it's inhumane because when you think about it, you got to think of the Mandela rules, the Mandela rules. I told about it in a documentary I'm, I'm doing. The Mandela rules, because remember, most of my in prison. The Mandela Rules is a basic human, basic human stuff, human rights that a prison deserves. And toilet facilities one. Jamaica prison has no toilet facilities, none at all. You got old tar padlocks and your walls. If you see the, well, you will see the walls. The pictures, I'm going to the pictures. The walls are so disgusting. You lean on them, you get things called liver spots. Like some cells, don't get me wrong. One or two cells are very clean because some inmates. Where money will pay, will buy things and buy paint and paint the walls and clean it. But some cells are so disgusting, bro, that I haven't been taken care of or no one's spending money on because not every inmate's gonna spend money on these walls. Even if they got money, some just don't give a shit. And you lean against the walls, the walls will give you a little spot, bro. And you can smell the dirt and the doo doo in the wall, like, because you got chinks in the walls, some of the walls got chinks in it. Chinks like these little incidents that bite you. I've never heard about chinks until I went to prison. I didn't even know shit exists in Jamaica. These little incidents that bite you, they're, they're actually white. But you see them, they're brownie red because they're black sucking blood. Actually, white incense, but the more blood is up, they change colour. Oh, yeah. yeah, fucked up. Fucked up. And all these things biting me, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on, bro. I'm, I'm getting bite by these chinks. 
I'm like, what the? He messaged me, yeah, bro, it's chinks. I'm like, oh, fuck, bro. Like, I touched my, this stunk. Like, it's ridiculous. I, the, the, the liberty you're going through is so inhumane, bro. You're, it's just degrading that like you're pissing a bottle. The fact that you're pissing a bottle is a big man, you're going to stick your cock in a bottle. Yeah. Every day you're sticking your cock in a bottle and pissing. And you're making sure that bottle don't overflow. That's degrading as hell. It's psychology is degrading. You get used to it, but it's degrading. But you get used to being in a degrading environment. So that's not good for your mental health anyway. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Course, then you go, and if you do, if you've got a good cellmate and he makes you shit, it's the great that you've got a shit in a bag now. You've got to get a plastic bag, you've got to line it with newspaper, and you've got to squat over that. So you're squatting over it like how is it on the chair? You're squatting, they call it riding. Because you're squatting like a riding a bike, it? So you're squatting over that and you're shitting. And if it's running, you're fucked. Because if you, you know, you, you, you go on the floor and you know, your cellmate's going to fuck you over. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's, that's the most degrading thing. You, even though you're, you put a towel up there, but it's, or black or blanket to, to chill yourself. It's still the great, and you're just you're around your cellmates. And you know, no one talk about the scent of the shit. Plus, the scent of the room anyway. The cell just stinks anyway. It actually smells. So it's just like all that. You know, you usually use a wick to cut. If you're in your cell, and you do a, yeah, a shit. You make you create a wick like you. So you plait. Yeah, the little bit of rope. And yeah, yeah, it, plait, plait it with tissue, and light it like a tissue, and you light it, and then you know, it's like you plait, and then it's just, bro, it's inhumane, bro. The lifestyle's crazy. And this is what, like, people understand, like, the food is just, oh, it's like, it's, it's Jamaica, bro. You know, Jamaica's got banging cuisines. They purposely make that food taste like shit. The rice and, the rice and peas doesn't like rice and peas, bro. It, there's no redness to it. It's just, it's like white rice and red peas. It's separate. It's like they, how do, rice and peas isn't like that. Rice and peas is, you turn, the white rice turns red. So that's what rice and peas is. It, it's got a coloured complexion to it. Because the peas, the, the peas salt. It's fucked. Everything, the the, the chicken is they take because because they, they take most because they had kara. Kara is what they brought into prison to forgive us cook up food for us. Kara. Yeah. But what they've done, they now kara is no longer there. Now the prison cooks themselves. When I first went to prison, there was no kara. I went to prison ninety eight. There was no kara. So prison prisoners used to cook the prison from the kitchen in copper pots. Now copper pots are unhealthy because that shit messes up your body. And it messes your actual bone density. So the copper pots we were at from prisons were leaning up and all type of shit. Their bodies were going messy. And that was affecting prison. They were, and then they were also teeth in the meat. So they were, and some of the meat was all rotten anyway. Because some of the meat was so, was so rotten. Because they didn't see it properly. You, when you put it through your mouth, you smell the rottenness of the meat. It's, just, it's, 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 it's wrong, bro. It's just wrong. I'm telling you, you see the rice and peas and all the stewed peas that they make. You look think, what the f- that ain't, you look, if you take a picture from like a normal, go into Google and t- t- type in stew peas and you put a stew peas picture up from Google, a proper Caribbean Jamaican stew peas, and you take a picture of this stew peas that I'm going to show you, I want you to do that. I want you to put a Google yeah. picture of a stew peas and this stew peas, bro, and look at it. And you'll be like, they're cunts. Bro, they just, they purposely make the food nasty. They've been doing that they've been back then and they still do it today. And they they took they removed Kara because Kara bought food in Kara food just as bad. They bought Kara and just we didn't know if it's that's they just, everyone called it Kara, so I called it Kara. And Kara was disgusting while I was there. I, I've heard now recently Kara's gone and it's back to using copper pots again, which is inhumane. So prisoners are eating our copper pots again, which is carried in which the food is carried again in buckets. There's no proper you don't eat the proper utensils, it's buckets. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Yeah. It's dished out, it's just nasty, and there's not even a proper lids on the pot. On the pots, the pots have a proper lid, and the pots got so it's just kind of um, 
the lids on the pots aren't proper lids. They don't fit. So the, so the lids fall into the, the bucket, into the bait, the buckets, and therefore, and they some of them got like metal, metal. Some got some of these metal, these metal pots, but the purple pots ain't got a proper bucket, ain't got proper covers neither. So that they, because they, they're using the bait, the plastic covers that are for the buckets. So then it falls in. So when you're walking, you got flies, you got maggots, and all that stuff. You walk, and by the kitchens, back in those days, by the kitchen, when the food ain't, when the, when the food's not ate, they throw the rubbish on the floor by the kitchen. So the food, the rubbish goes on the floor. So imagine rubbish on the floor by the kitchen, which attracts flies, maggots, mosquitoes, causes soup water, there's water, everything, and there's food. The local cats that get a field day, and they all, they all pissed. <laughs> they're in prison. I think they, they're like prisoners. They get pissed as well. It's just mad. And you got all that unhygienic by the right by the actual food. Like, don't give me any pictures for these, don't worry. Yeah, right by the food, bro. Right by your food where you're cooking, you find all this nastiness. Right by the food. Then you've got then you figure, then you can go even deeper. You've got you've got the junkos, which is like birds that you know junkos that fly around dead. Yeah. Junkos come down, they eat the food too. In the prison. That's how the hygiene and this is right in the kitchen, huh? I ain't talking about somewhere else, I'm talking about the kitchen. And this is what comes in the tray we go eat. We go eat from a kitchen that right next to it is all this rubbish and maggots and all that stuff. So imagine, and rats, imagine how unhygienic that kitchen is inside it. Crazy, you're lucky to survive out there. How did you get through that eight years, Aaron? Probably, fuck, it's so good, it was going to be, bro. Did you, you find know, faith in them, also faith oh, in bro, them? I found mad faith in them, I found God in them, bro, believe me. I'm being real with you. Like, I, I, always had, I always had God in my heart, but boy, I really found God in there, and I found intelligence in there, bro. Like I said, emotional intelligence. So your change happened while you were in Yeah, yeah, it happened in prison. I, I, I'm not going to say I was perfect in prison. I was still got myself into a lot of problems in prison. I was I was charged for um, um, uh, a person in prison, but um, that got dropped. Um, and then I got charged for another attempted murder. But that shit wasn't making no sense. Again, they tried to kill me. They claimed that I did a murder, to murder on someone, and I'm thinking, what the f are they talking about? I didn't do nothing. So anyway, they told they told me this 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 is this was this actually I was on man. I haven't been sentenced yet. They said to me, we're taking you to Spanish Town Prison. They remember I did three years on man. He goes, we're taking you to Spanish Town Police Station. I said, for what the f for what? to murder what? So I'm thinking, oh shit, something got my passport caught back up on me. So I'm like, fuck me. Go with them, pack my stuff up, go to Spanish Town Police Station. Bro, there's empty cells, they walk past them. They're walking past cells, cells, cells. There's a few other women in that cells, they took me right to the back, to the dark part of it. Right to the back. Be a man in that cell. I'm like, I look like. And I'm ready now, I'm telling myself, this is a fight time. Bro, they open the cell, and man says, That's my nickname, because I had different nicknames for different garrisons. I was a smart guy. That was one of my nicknames. There's one nickname people come over here, but in Jamaica they come and say, Tata what? I said, yo, my dog, you walk one. My bridge soon. My bridge was in the jail. Next man tip was said, yo, but walk one. You from Riverly. I walked my from train line. Two guys knew me in the cell. Everyone in the cell started looking at each other. Because them two use our read. Like they're they're about their business. The police were shocked. And I just I knew by looking at everyone's face. If them man never really called me out and said, yo, my dog, what? Cause they never, again, like I said, no one knew I was in Jamaica because I went straight to Kingston 8, to my family yeah. there. I didn't go to my local friends and family in Spanish Town. I didn't go to my local friends in Kingston. So no one knew I was in Jamaica. Because I, like I said, I was rasped. I was trying to change up. And I was going through, I just wanted to just 
Yeah, different life. So, different life in 98, you get me? So no one, not like 97 where I, I visit Spanish Town, I visit my people in Jones Avenue, um, Old Town, Greendale. I visit my people in um, Rivoli, in River Jungle, Aboriginal Kushina, I visit them. And I did visit, what's name, Bongo them. In Rivoli, and I did visit train line to my Aboriginal, the them. I didn't visit nobody that year. I just went straight to Kingston 8. You get me? Remember I said in 97, I was in Kingston 8. But I visited this other place. I left Kingston 8 in 97 with my friend from Kingston 8. I went different places. By night year, I just went straight to Kings Lake, so no one knows in Jamaica. So when certain bridges see me like, oh blood, walk one, I was like, fuck me. Because I just saw the, I never said no, I just saw the look on the water's face, on the, no waters, on the police police's face in the, in, in the Spanish police station. I look and I look at the other inmates and they look at each other like, this don't work. They say this don't look like it's gonna because the man they were too happy, like they were, yo, brother, walk one, because they're my bridges, isn't it? Like real so friends. So what was it, like a trumped up charge just to get you there and we'll just get you hurt? I feel like it's a trumpet charge. I don't. I don't know if, they, if it was a real charge that they really had on me from something that happened in Spanish before, mm. or if it was a trumpet charge just to get me there and say there's a charge, yeah. get me there, and boom, they just kill me. You get me? And so I got killed in the jail. Whatever. I don't know, but all I know is they wanted to kill me, but it never worked because God was with me. You get me? And that was like that. See them two Monday was like, yeah, my life saved. And I said, yep. From that, back to they ended up putting me back. To, in fact, I didn't even go to court. If I, come, I can't remember what happened. I can't remember if I went to court or not. But I know that whole thing dropped anyway. So wherever it was, it did drop. And I just went back to prison. And then, it was just madness. Then, oh yeah, but after about, say, six months of suffering, the British High Commission finally got to see me. This, this happened like about a year, mash into my, about two years into my remand. But about a year, a year mash, about six months in my, my thing, the British High Commission finally got to see me. They told me themselves, we've been trying to contact you all the time, but you didn't want to see us. I said, what? So I looked about the ward and I said, what? And then I, that's when I, that's when I saw a lot of foreigners. I said, foreigners, why are you not over the front? I'm coming, I'm all over the foreigners over the back. They're like, oh, we all look at it for that block. We all look at that block. One or, said, one, one or two said they look at NCB. But everyone's like, we look at that block. We look at that block. I'm thinking, I just knew they, I knew what I from the beginning. I knew they wanted to kill me from the back when they put me in the back in the beginning. But it was one of the British High Commission said to me, we want to see you, but you said you didn't want to see us. So every time they came, Remember, they come every month and a half or so to see British inmates. Yeah. They didn't. They did. They came about three or four times. In, three times while I was on remand. In the, I mean, on my first in remand yeah. for say, six months, they did not see me. But British the police, the warders. I mean, because I was in Spanish prison, the warders were saying I don't want to see them. Which again is not a lie. Yeah. So I was going for unnecessary suffering. So the woman goes, "Listen, I got ample money to give you." Blah 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 blah. She knows I was vexed. But she didn't want to say nothing about it. I told her about it in my book, but I, I go to more details, of course. And she was like, she was amazing. She just went away. She said, I'll bring back some more stuff for you. I'll bring stuff for you. She brought back some slippers and that. Because I had nothing, bro. I was like, I was like suffering. And from then, things kind of changed. And after that, I realised on a block behind, which was the worst block in the whole prison called the ship, I don't know, slide that house. God, enough people got killed over there. My brothers were top men over there. People I knew from back in the days. So my whole life in prison totally changed, bro. Like, Totally changed. <laughs> and so, you, even when you got around your friends and certain people made friends, you did well to obviously restrain from smoking weed. Yeah, yeah, I decided, I decided I to get back in the So, you managed to become a changed man in jail. In prison, yeah, yeah. have to change when they get out. No, 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 no I, I changed in prison. Yeah. You know what makes, me, what makes my journey even greater? In prison, I decided to change. Like, don't get me wrong, I got into certain problems and I was part of some real senior guys, like some real 
there's a guy who was a good friend of mine, Wayne Bones, he was like one of the top guys from a group, an organization called Clans back in the days. The clans are not the same no more, but the clans back in the days and Bobby was around, he was one of Bobby's top guys. Wayne Bones was, my, was my right hand in prison. But see this this guy now? Willie Bones. Wayne Bones. Wayne Bones. Yeah, Wayne Bones. It's very well known guy, it's Jamaica Spanish town, very known. He was um he's 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 been killed now still. Yeah. But um he was like my bona fide in prison. We was me, him, Scoffler from Capture Land, quite a few of us. We had a nice little team. You get me? A real team that people knew don't play with. But um, they had everything. Yeah, because he was getting bailed because he was like a top shot in, in Spanish town. So he had everything. But I still wouldn't smoke again. I just didn't want to go back to it. Good. Like I just said myself, I'm not going back to smoking. And, um, but I got myself a stuff from prison. I'm not going to be like I didn't. But at the same time, I I just, I read so many books like so many Tom Clancy. Good. I read so much Tom Clancy's in prison because I had nothing to do. I started reading all the time because I'm dyslexic as well. Good. You know, so... And I do speak fast, but yeah. I speak I speak even faster. So I learned to read and slow myself down. I learned to control my speaking. And at the time, I imagine speaking very fast and speaking hard Jamaican accent as well. It's a problem. I learned to actually speak better English in prison. That's actually allowed me to read. Yeah, reading. from reading. Yeah. That's why I can speak Jamaican. I can still speak my Jamaican patois. Like, like, we can't talk Jamaican thing. I don't know. Not that but you understand? Know we can turn my thing back in Jamaican. I can talk English. And if I told my family in Jamaica, I taught Jamaican because they can, they don't fully understand English properly like that. You get me? They, they rather than start the pattern to them. But it's like, for me, it was really important. I read and it helped me with my dyslexic and it helped me solve my speaking, reading that by where I spoke down as well. Because I still speak kind of fast anyway. You get me? But it's like, um, they, reading Tom Clancy was good for me. I read all these books, Patriot Games, because I had a few little, small library in prison, very small. I read that, I read a lot of books on war, Cambodian war and that. Did you start yeah. writing your book while you were in jail? I, I actually, yeah, I did. Uh, towards the end, I, start, I actually wrote my first book, which was a romance novel. Jesus Yeah, I actually wrote a romance novel towards my end. After I was sentenced and after going through madness, because in... I went through, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and, be, and say, and, and, no, I haven't been through madness in prison. In prison, I went through a, a lot of madness. You know, even there was escapes, prison escapes that happened. You know, my name is called upon them in, involved in that. So as much as I was trying to transform my life, I still was, was kind of well, you're in a devilish, hellish environment. So yeah, so I can get stuff. yeah, I can get I can get joined into certain things. You know, um the war one time was blown up when I was sentenced, this wall was blown up in GP, literally with dynamite. You know, a friend blew up a wall and people, you know, I was people people said I had something to do with it because I was there. You know, I, I don't know. I mean I just things happened around me, you get me? Things happened around me. People said I was involved. But I'm just saying I was there in it. I was there when it happened. I'm not going to deny I was there. But um, I don't really, you know what I mean? Of course. So when you were in in there, obviously you're, you're a changed man now. Yeah, I'm so trying what, my best. I'm reading. What were your intentions for when you came out? What my intention you? was, because I was, I still have exercise in prison. Like, if you look at my book, the first page of my book shows a picture of me in 2005. Because I was, remember I got locked up in 98. Yeah, I've seen, seen the picture. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm diesel. I'm diesel. And I was training hard, bro. So I said, people said to me, come out and press the train. But because I was also reading a lot of Bible there, people started calling me Israel. And then people started calling me Hebrew, because I was reading Hebrew and then I like said I'm gonna you know get into the Israel belief and, and I like the, the whole scriptures and the concept of the Bible. So people said to me, you know, go out and do some research on, on history and become a historian and study and you get me. So people saw a different light for me, they saw me in a different way. Because I was always talking about scriptures and I became a different person. And I was all right. I was writing. I was like writing poetry in there, and I wrote. In fact, my report. I wrote poetry. The poetry book I got right out right now, which I released years ago, 
is core, which is doing pretty well, is core healthy love, which is actually wrote in prison. Healthy love and compatible minds, my romance novels, they both of them were actually wrote in prison. I'm proud of you know either of them. So. Yeah, I wrote two books in prison, man. I read them when I came out. I'm proud of them, like, you get me? As you should be. Especially yeah. In the place so, that. I mean, there's no woman in prison, man. I could talk to girls on the phone. Because like I said, after, after that first six, seven months, eight months, my life really changed in prison. I started getting more money, started getting visits. You know, God's opened the way for me. My family's coming from England regular, and my mates coming down from, from England, some yard youths were coming back to Jamaica, they were always bringing down clothes to me. I had the latest clothes in prison. But the thing about me, I didn't become bossy. I would give away clothes to inmates who didn't get, because I knew what it was like to suffer. Because we, we used to have strikes in prison. Jamaica, when we're not happy with our circumstances, we strike, can't it? That means you, no one can take food off the table. So I, I, I know it's like to not want to eat. You know like when you want to fast, normally? But when someone's telling you you shouldn't eat, it's not the same as fasting, because you're not doing it of your own will. So when I first told that I can't eat, if I eat, I'll get killed, if it's a rule, everyone mustn't eat. I don't, we didn't have, we, we never had no money or nothing, can it? So when strikes used to happen, and now, now I start getting visits, I used to buy little bullets and a lot of biscuits and give out to the poor. So they have something to eat through the strike, you get me? Okay. So people kind of respected me for my, how I carried myself. Even, different crews, different people. So I won a lot of respect from a lot of different areas, a lot of different guys, just because of the way I carried myself. People could see that you're a changed man, you're yeah. doing good now. And I was doing, yeah, I was doing good in prison. I was doing good for you. Like I said, I got my old, I, not say I didn't get no altercations. I got altercations, things happened to people, things happened to me. You know, but people saw the better of me. You get me? And I won a lot of respect from people I didn't even know. And even now there's certain people who are highly respected on the streets in Jamaica. They got mad love for me because of the person I became. You know, so I turned my life, me turning my life around, and this again about emotional control, emotional intelligence, I turned my life around and learned to deal with myself about, and me openly talking to people about my problems and what I went through and what I was going through as a young person, it allowed certain top killers in Jamaica prison to talk about their own problems. So I'm sitting down with some top guys from different, different garrisons, from out of East Kingston, Kirk, Rockford, from, from Water, or certain places that these men are known for this notorious Spanish town, train lines, and man, all does. They're known to do their business. But then they're talking with me on a, on an emotional tip and they're like, Channel Block, I'm saying got you this and that you and my father goes some boom boom and my mother. You get and they're, they're talking with their, their problems and I'm like and I'm like, you know what, but when you think about it, you could have done this or you know, that happened to you, but bear in mind it wasn't your fault, though you could have responded different, blah blah blah. And I'm explaining because I'm I'm remember I'm analyzing myself for my own actions. I took time to analyze my own actions in prison and the violence I'd done and the things I'd done and it made me start looking at life different. So then I allowed I talking to my friends and come from that kind of conscious conversation, it allowed them to open up to talk yeah. to me about. Sometimes, sometimes I'd have certain man who I don't even know them, they come to my cell and say, yo, big man, come check you in the car. And I'm like, cool now. And we start reasoning, the man telling me his problems and I'm reasoning. So I became like a counselor to certain man. Do you get me? So before you know it, I've got respect from garrison that don't like each other, hate each other, will kill each other. A man who won't want to each other in prison, now both of you on different sides like me. Like, this is the reality of my, this is, it's in my book, people know the truth, it's not hiding. I had real, like, top guys feeling me. Like, show that you're a real change man in that yeah. way people. And so people could, so people tell me already, so, I had a lot of people, even the guy who was known to kill Peter Tosh, Lepo, he's alleged murder of Peter Tosh. He's a le I'll say alleged murder, because that's what people say. Even he said to me, when you go around, make something great of yourself. Kolu, Kolu said to me, yo, come out and be, do something great. Everyone said to me, come out and do something great. This is why, and this is why I really driven to do something good for my life because 
Some of my friends I left behind, I do like 30 years, 40 years before parole. Some have got 200 years. And you, the way you were going, you could have been end up one of these people that passed you on before that. Yeah, I could have, I could have ended up being one of them doing mad years in prison. You like you dead. say, you could have got the murder, you could have got the 40 years. Like yeah, yeah, got yeah. 15 years. Listen, I could have got more murders in prison. I, one day, I, one day I want you, I had a problem on you, yeah? And this is why I know I really had a change mind apart. When you, this is how I started myself. I was already been sentenced, left Spanish town. I'm in GP now. Established myself in GP. I mean, I got, I had real. My friend Damien is dead now. I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really find out he died. Damien, he's, he's more, he's more aware of schools. Bonafide, but Damien was cool with me. Always helped me to see me. Damien used to always say to me, we never talked regular, but he said to me, blood of anything, this that got you. Damien was known for killing waters and things like that. He's a, that company. He's never Jeez. come to the yeah. They killed him recently. They couldn't kill him all the way by poisoning him. Jeez. Yeah, they had to poison him in prison. Now, the reality is this. I knew I had respect for certain type of youths, but I've never tried to abuse my respect. And when I was in GP, it was you. Towards what end of my sentence must be about a year and a half left in prison. And one you boxed me in my face. Now that time now I was I was around my syndicate of Dunkirk youths and Spanish and um, jungle youths. And I had views from all I had people from all different areas that like me. I could have started a war with these guys. Plus the guy who did it, his boss didn't want to beef with me neither. Because his boss is cool with me. So he wanted his that crew. He's from Rich, he's from Riverton City. Now he's like, Dad, this, this can't go on it. Like, and a lot of people came to me and said to me, What are you gonna do about this? Like, my my, my little friends, some of my little friends are hot and they're like, blood, make us a pull up some knives and start war and stab up. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go roll soon. And I'm gonna change my life and I'm trying to do better in it. And then my Hebrew, come on, come go do this. I'm like, no, 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 yo, cool. But in deep down, my ego said to me, yo, just kill the boy, cause you understand. But then next, some next big man from the block said to me, my yo, he's not, he, this man's not going road ever. He goes to me, bro, loud the thing, you know, don't do that. You're going road. You're gonna do good for yourself. So I said, nah, I said to him, nah, I ain't got, nah, I'm gonna do nothing anyway. I goes, I'm not gonna do nothing. That time I fight my ego, and I'm saying, nah, I'm gonna do nothing anyway, cause I, you know, I'm thinking, right. I can do something. I have the ability to do it, and I have people around me. But that and the point fact that you become intelligent yeah, and the, and the fact that these guys came to my cell, five six man deep with their boss, because the boss of their their crew, who really just want to know what was going on between us, why we kicked off like that, and me was talking about we this next guy shouting over him. Do you get me? So that's why that so that escalated things. So he went to box me. because um, yeah, they were, but they were knives to them. So that that already made me know you don't understand me. Cause I didn't have a knife on me that morning. I'm just, I'm not thinking about that. I'm, I'm just chilling in it. I'm relaxed, thinking about going to gym and everything. There, you've come with a, your crew. Everyone's got a knife, apart from the boss. Everyone's got a knife. So they all back out knives. Even the boss is like, "We dealing with you." Get me like, but then because they're getting wild, I'm getting wild too. Cause I'm like, I'm no one's pussy neither. You get me. But it, the boss kind of de-escalated, especially after he got into boxing. And my brethren, the next brethren who located me, he jumped to him and said, yo, we didn't run on you from Cup and Pen. He said, yo, blood, like, on the loudest thing. You get me? He's like, no, 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 just cool you. He said, no, 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 you're mad. So, Richard Badness, I'm talking about you, because Richard Badness. So, the reality is, like, that was a mad thing. So, I really knew that you didn't, under you didn't underestimate me and look at me as a fool, because you come here tooled up for me. Yeah. You see, you didn't look at me like someone you can walk over. But, so, I really, in my mind, I really know you don't, you don't see me simple. And they already know that they don't take, they don't even take me simple. They knew that already. They knew I got links. They knew my I had a cousin around the front, and they knew I had a cousin from from Moby that's a dangerous you in, in Aras, dangerous you in Spanish in Spanish town. And they just knew my links in it. 
And you know, I had mad friends, and this time in GP, you know, I had friends in GP already. And I had some friends up, I knew from St. Anne's who were just killers. Yeah. You get me? So they knew I had my links in it. But it was like a situation. It was like, and half of that block in it, I was in a build at the time, had mad love for me too. So that situation kind of could have split the block kind of. And then the guy who did that to me, a month later. You defining in you as well, that sort of, mm-hmm. it sort of showed your change, like you say. Yeah, 100%. And if you'd end but up doing something there. And it would have messed my life over. It would, I would have maybe, we would have started a prison war. Yeah. That, no doubt, I'm not going, the guy and his friends are no pussies, just started a prison war. And then um, I would have ended up maybe dying in it or he would end up dying in it. But people would have died, guaranteed. And people would have got life sentence. I don't know whatever they got, whatever they're serving, guaranteed. So it was a no-brainer. It was no it was no good for me. I'm going out in a year and a half. Fuck the pride. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Mm. Pride wasn't going nowhere right now. The ego and that couldn't help me. Well That's the most intelligence. Yeah, of course. Well do you get what I'm saying to you? Look at the bigger picture. I needed road. So the funny thing about it, a man said to me, don't do nothing. And a month later, that said man boxed him in his face. Do you get me? I'm not saying it's because of me, but he told me don't do nothing about it. Next month, he boxed him in his face. But then he ain't never going road anyway. Of course, so nothing so, to lose. So he, yeah. So whether he, whether he did it on my behalf, or he did it on his own behalf. God didn't make God made it that I didn't do nothing. And at that moment, I was allowed. I wasn't gonna allow myself to destroy myself and my chance of going road. Of course, Do you get me. And that's where people don't realize we need to make decisions that's gonna make. You know, like your life could change in a split of a, in a split second. You could be arguing about today on the streets or anywhere. And this is what I want people to get from this. That. It wasn't a coward move I did, it was a smart move. Because you couldn't argue to someone right now and in a split second, you made the wrong choice and even if you punch that guy, he goes and come back and he comes up with a gun and shoots you or stabs you. Or he comes back and he tries to do you something and now you've got to go out and go, go attack him back. Sometimes we need to just leave things there and don't let it become something else. 100%. Do you get me? So you so, ended up getting released, like say in... A year and a half, to, yeah, what happened in... 2006. What, what, happened, what happened is 2005... Uh, a guy, a guy <coughs> shot a police, shot a warder in prison. Fucking hell! Yeah, a guy shot a warder in prison. The warder shot two inmates and killed them. There's a breakout in prison. Okay. So we all got shipped out of prison because they claimed that um, Jamaicans were going to kill foreigners. And then and that was the next madness as well because they was letting every foreigner out but me. I was like, I'm a foreigner, blood. Until other yardies were saying, this is the guy born in Britain, letting go away. And I was kicking up madness because all I could vision in my brain was. The plane's gonna fly with British inmates back to Britain because, right and I'm gonna be Jamaican stuff. I went nuts to myself, smashing myself, going crazy. My inmates hitting myself, could feel myself kicking up myself. But they let me out, and I went with the inmates. And sadly, we didn't get deported. We didn't get extradited. I thought, hope we wish would. We ended up getting taken to High Rising, spent a little time High Rising. Then the same yardies who they came was gonna kill us, which were our friends. We all bucked up in High Rising, and we was next to each other. I was thinking, it's all a plot. We went to Spanish Town. This time I located a Southport where Tuggle would be. So that's, yep. that's the only time I ever got a Southport was towards my end of my sentence in 2005. And then um, from there I spent a couple on South Block. Then they sent me to Tamari Farm, which was shocking to me. And then from Tamari Farm, I got sent back to the UK. Deported straight back. 2006. Yeah, back in the UK. Changed man straight now. Straight back to London. Straight back to London. But I kind of ditched uh, where I usually hang out and lived. And I went straight to Harrow. And I got up, um, stayed at my sister's house on that couch. Less than a man, just living at someone's on my sister's couch, no longer at my own place. My, my partner no longer together again. But the right intentions. At the yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to, in fact, when I came out in 2006, I went to college in 2007. 
Well done. Did an access course in sports in um access course in sports science sports science. I graduated high I graduated the highest marks in my class. Congrats. And then um went to university two thousand eight. I didn't make some time. Went to university two thousand eight, graduated with a sports science sports a sports medical degree. Jeez. Uh, 2008 to 2011, graduated, had a motorbike at the same time. Um, and I, I actually did my exams through the same process. My, my, my partner, at that time, she got lost her, our child, and I was Sorry. going through madness. But I still stuck it out, graduated from university. And because I'm dyslexic, I didn't tell them, so I, did, I got a 2 1, but it was. Um, I got a 2 Yeah, I forgot a 2 1, um, low 2 1. But it was. Um, it was uh, the fact that I didn't tell them I was dyslexic because they knew they said to me, "How comes when you're writing, you you your punctuation comes weren't in the best of places, my yeah. punch." So I got I lost points for those things, but I told them I didn't I didn't care, man. I just I just I wanted I didn't want to help. I wanted to be me, stronger, and just do everything. So I graduated from university. From there, you building relationships with your children who have been in the country. The two yeah, two people in the country. Yeah, of course I did, hundred percent. Built them from the they met me at the airport when I came back. You know, I definitely built relationships with them. Um, bit with my son in Jamaica as well, and I started. I forgave his mum and me. We forgave each other because I also, like I said, I also messed her up as well. We forgave each other. We talk. We're not the best friends that we talk because being amicable for my child, my son. It's all about. Yeah, hundred percent. It's all about my child. Got to be amicable for my son. So we get got to. So we got along. We got make it right. We make it. We make it right for my son. Do you get me? My son's a big boy now. He's twenty mash. He knows. Just, he knows everything's happened, but he's cool. You get me? Um, um, my other two children. They're really. They're, they're also old. Now they're 25 and 23. They're doing well for themselves as well. You get me? They know what I've been through. They've seen the change. They've seen transmission. See what dad's about. Like I said, I came out, went to university 2011, graduated. Uh, 2008, 2011, graduated. I worked, did a little work for Keep Up, Keep Up as a community. I went to Oldershot Football Club. Oldershot's literally right next to me. That's yeah, a, I was at Oldershot Football Club. I, I did Oldershot um, today just before I came in. Is it? Foodie, yeah, yeah. I, did, um, I did my actually university uh, placement there. Yeah, yeah. And then the guys took me on for a bit because they loved where nice. I was a really good physio yeah, I still have a good physio awesome. I worked with um, Ryan G I worked with a lot of professional footballers awesome through my friend's agency as a football agency I worked through with professional footballers uh, doing football physio that's fantastic and then um, I had a motorbike accident so I kind of stopped doing MMA because I was doing MMA because I used to have kickboxing I've been kickboxing about 20 years so um, I had a motorbike accident in 2012 that kind of put me back and then um I kind of, during that, during that time, that's when I actually wrote my book. That's when I actually not wrote my book, but wrote out the book I took out of prison because I wrote the books in prison using normal, like prison books, prison normal books. And I typed them out in 2012, my books, because I got my more wax and couldn't really walk in that. Perfect I typed out, yeah, experience. I typed the books out, you know, and put them out. Um, didn't really push them as much as I should have, but I'm pushing them now. And they actually get a lot of traction now, especially because my autobiography is out. So what's all about? So let's mention the three books you've done. You've done okay. I've done four books. Four books. Yeah, yeah. Four books. I've 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 put a lot of work in. But four books. So this in prison, I wrote healthy love. I wrote the po I wrote healthy love and compatible minds. Yeah. Um. But what I, that's healthy love is a poetry book and compatible minds is the romance novel. Then I um. But I like I said, I came out and I just why I typed them out after my motor accident in 2012. And then I wrote a book called I'm a Gun about gun violence, talk about psychological impact of gun violence, and how gun how the gun takes over you. Don't people think they're in control of weapons? You know, like, 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 let's put it in a nutshell. Would a man walk into a room with, there's three of us in the room right now. Would a guy walk into a room by himself with three, we, we all look like three strong looking guys. 
Would any man walking in the room try to fight all three of us? Maybe, maybe not. But with a gun in his hand, he's not gonna, he's not gonna even fit because the gun's the con is real power. So the reality is, when you think you're in control, you're not. The gun's in control. Browning's my name. My father's name is John. I'm cold, black, and hard. I'll make you feel strong. I'll give you power to cut life short. My reign of terror is long. On the front line, in battle I stand, enjoying the feeling of your hand around me. The pulsation. So I wrote the book from Psycho Spectres that I gave the book a life, I gave the gun life. So I said that, imagine the gun could torture you. Yep. So it's like the gun's telling him. So the book wrote, it's a metaphorically written yeah, book yeah. about crime violence, it's banging. I tell the book, in fact, I've turned the book into an animated movie. It hasn't released yet. I'll give you a little clip out so you can pull it in. What do you ask you door. Kill the girl too, blood. people get those books so. Amazon or my website stevengrainprojects.com so everyone that the links are going to be below for all this stuff and obviously on top of that you've ended up doing a autobiography and so talk to us about when you did that and I did so. that book uh, this is last year I did it last year and I released it this year I released it this year, April, April, May, something like that. So, so, so guys, like you say, you've only sort of uh, tip of the iceberg and touching yeah, all the Jamaican yeah, stuff. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. if you want to get into the nitty gritty yeah, and see the book, all the, the details. Deep, the book's deep. You understand how I really changed my life around and really transferred how I analyzed myself. Because yeah. the book's about it's, it's about the transformation, not me glorifying the violence I've done. Though I talk about those things in it, but it's more of just me really explaining how I turned my life around to become the person I'm today. You know, and um, emotional intelligence, which is something that I think is important for everybody. And so, on top of the books and stuff like this, you're not just an author, you've ended no. up becoming a documentary maker as well. Well, I've actually, in 2012, I'm more back and I decided to go to, like I said, I used to read the Bible, like I started to go to Israel and document history and culture. So, I went to Israel, I documented the, the, the original Arabs there, the original, um, the original Israelites there, I documented things that mainstream media does not show. Mainly, we don't show the things I've documented. I, I documented factual things. I got land titles in my documentaries. I've done things that's just crazy. Like Brilliant. I went to Morocco. I've been traveling around the world. I've done. In fact, I went to Chicago not too about. I think it was 2016, 17. I went to Chicago three times now. First time I was invited to Chicago, which is a blessing, and um, went down there. Did I met the congressman of Chicago, um, of Chicago District Eight, um, and I did an interview with him. And I did a lot of gang work in Chicago, talking with like different gangs and you know, just talking about what I could do down there, workshops, planning stuff. So as COVID came kinda of messed up the workshops I planned to do down there. Cause I tell like I said, I bought I'm a gun, I turned into a seven I turned I'm a gun into a seven first it was a twelve week program, then I turned to a seven week program, shortened it, and I made an animated movie for it. So I turned my book I'm a gun into a full length movie. So it's a three D animated movie. Uh, it's like a GT you know GTA the GT game? It's like a gated game, but it's a movie. Crazy. And um, I haven't released it yet. I'm set to release it soon. And so you obviously, like you said, you did the Chicago documentary as well. Yeah, the free Chicago series. Yeah, um, so the Chicago series are crazy. Um, the first part of that's on your YouTube, on YouTube channel. channel. But when's yes. part two going to be part coming Part two, I was supposed to release it, but what is, I'm talking to um, uh, a production, um, a TV station for them to screen it on the TV. So we're in conversation whether it's going to be exclusive or non-exclusive rights. So that's why I haven't released it yet. So if it's not if, it's, if it becomes exclusive, if it's not exclusive, then that means I can release on any of our platform. But if they want exclusive, then so I'm holding it back to find out what we're gonna do. 
Yeah. Um, because I've been blessed recently. I've recently been blessed, you know, because I've made, I spent a lot of money in my documentaries, making documentaries, traveling the world. It's all, all funny for me. So yeah, like I said, guys, you've got, he's got a Jamaican documentary coming out. You have some yeah, touch on it this one. Oh, it's gonna yeah, be, that, it looks like it's going to be insane. We've been seeing just yeah. the work that's been going into it. There's been, obviously we've had Tug of War on the channel. He's going to be involved in it. Tug of War's in a documentary. You know, getting Robert Travers a documentary and there's two psychologists that support the things that we're talking about. Why the mindset? Because me, I'm, I'm more about, like I said, I'm more about the psychological aspect of where we think. Because yeah. that's where I'm coming from. And this is why, why I've got a very good success rate with young people mentoring and with families because I, I, I think it's important the way we look at life and we perceive life and perceive people and perceive one another. Yeah. That's power. That's like it's power. Like it's, it's crazy. So for me, that's I'm really touched. I'm really into that. And... Um, so touching on the mentoring stuff, I've seen that you've ended up doing some work with the AP Foundation, yeah, 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 Charity. Yeah, yeah, so you're quite a big part of that and one of the yeah, mentors yeah, yeah, in yeah, that yeah, as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. With AP, so talk yeah. to me about how Andrew came into your life. And yeah, where that, Andrew came my life. Came. You know, that came my life. Me, Andrew, and, Ma and Marvin. Yeah, because Marvin and Marvin from when I was young. Yeah, so yeah. obviously Stephen, he hasn't said it on camera. I didn't know if you want to touch it, but him and Marvin have known each other since they were yeah, really we, young. Yeah, we, we were part of the same crew growing up. Yeah. Yeah, we were part of the TUs growing up. Yeah, me and Marvin that. So when what, when was this then? Time period? Right? Ah, a few years ago? Or nah, recently, very recently? What, we, 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 Andrew, the link up oh, with Andrew. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah, yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So Andrew's about, a great guy, isn't Andrew's he? amazing. That's my brother, then, man. Real talk. Andrew's an amazing guy, you know. Genuinely and, someone who's trying to help people yeah, and do yeah, the right yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, He's a good guy. That's a proper good guy. You hear me? He introduced me to a few good people. You get me saying to you, Andrew? He's always got my back story. You know what I mean? We, we get along. He understands where I'm coming from. He sees what I'm doing. He sees my vision. So I help with AP Foundation. He helps pushing really, he helps pushing my organisation, Stephen Gray Projects. So he's, he he, he's, he's, got, he's got a great saying: "It's a rising tides lift all ships." And it's yeah. if you help me, it also yeah, helps yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, when yeah, you ride the right people, it's, 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 it naturally happens, doesn't that's, it? That's so the thing. That's, yeah, that's the main because I mean, everyone wants to see each other prospering. You get me? He's not going to hold me back just because he's got an organisation. He knows that this might be good for me. He's go out, Stephen, because my my mind is Stephen Gray Projects. Go out and do this. And they hooked me up with somebody to go and do what I did. Like cool. he, he hooked me with Sean, didn't it? It's Andrew hooked me with Sean. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Andrew's not that type of person to hold me back from nobody. No, no, you that's what the good people yeah. will try and obviously. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Spread their legs and spread their all the good. Andrew sees all of my capabilities and he opens up a lot of doors for me. So, um, but it's like back to what's the name? My um, this this top, this top, yeah, this tug of war one. Whoa, it's gonna be crazy, bro. And when are we hoping to have that? It's gonna be out 2022. <laughs> Yeah, I actually want to be before twenty twenty two, like for December. Yeah, really? so literally in the next few weeks. Yeah, that's what that's the aiming for. I'm aiming for that. That's what I'm aiming for. God so it's really close to it. sort of coming together as we yeah, speak. Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's be crazy it. work it's going into be, it. Yeah, because I'm working ties to get finished. It's mad, though, bro. Just Can't wait to see it. What is? I've got a lot of people in Jamaica prison actually giving me footage. Brilliant. So I've got real life footage coming straight from Jamaica prison. And like you of, said to me earlier, where that's going to be released? Where is that going to be released? That documentary. That's going to be released both on. Um, Sean and and mine as well. So Sean Atwood's channel, that's yeah, Sean Atwood, yeah, and on Stephen's channel yeah, himself. Yeah, 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 so like yeah, I said, yeah. the links be below when that comes it's out. I'll be, put some and the Tuggles as well, and Tuggles channel too. Perfect. Because like for me, it's not it's not about for me, it's not about money. Keep it to myself. It's as a statement. I want to show people that the inhumane that's going on in Jamaica prison is really inhumane. It's way behind behind time. The system, the prison system, is is outdated. It's Absolutely. Crazy. So it's like it's for me. About the money I spend helping inmates getting, you know, what they need to get, phones and all this type of stuff to do it. I don't care about all that. You know what I'm saying? The money can cost me anything. I don't care about all that. I care about getting that message out there. You get me? So it's not about me only. So Sean's willing to support me. God bless him. 
her walls and support me. If yeah. you want to support me, brother, I don't really care. I just want that message out there that it's inhumane what's going on in the prison. I'm and it, and it, it's, it's not only threatening Jamaican, it makes it threatening foreigners will come there because maybe you're black, white, in the Chinese foreigner comes in, you're in the same shit, you're in that same environment, you're not eating right, you're, you're going through madness. It doesn't make sense. How do you expect to rehabilitate somebody if you're not putting them in a place, predicament to rehabilitate them? Do you get what I'm saying? It's supposed to be, a, they call it a correctional centre, but they're not correcting nobody because you're giving people inhumane conditions to live in. How are you going to change their mindsets? It doesn't make sense. Like, I'm one of the few to really change my mindset. You know, it's very rare to be able to get in those places. Generally, people have to reform themselves when they come out of these places. Yes, I didn't mind in there. It's unbelievable. So so you've obviously mentioned, obviously, your books, people can get them on Amazon. You've got a YouTube channel out there. But in terms of social media, can people reach out to you on social yeah, media? Yeah, of course so they can, man. Social media. So um, Instagram, I know you're in, on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Stephen Graham Projects on Instagram. And what about Facebook? And all I'm this on sort of Facebook, thing? Stephen Graham, and I'm on um, Twitter, uh, Stephen G. Graham. Unbelievable. Like I said, I'd like to really congratulate yourself on the journey you've taken and how you've reformed and completely changed on the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. It's been absolutely unbelievable. Too, so... You've been obviously very generous with your time, Zen. I'd like to obviously massively thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity too, bro. And hopefully down the line, when you've got something that you'd like to show off or any sort of mm-hmm. projects you've got going out, obviously down the line in 2022 and in the yeah, future, definitely. hopefully we can sit down again and it'd be 100%. absolutely unbelievable because uh, the knowledge you're spreading is, uh, is great. It's great to see Appreciate somebody it, who's really reformed and actually thank comfortably you. around. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, so, bro. Stephen, thank you very much. Thank you very much for giving me the time today. Is there anything else you want to add that we've sort of missed out? We've mentioned social media. Nah. All the links for Steve's stuff. First of all, last one I want to say thank you to you because um, for giving me a platform to actually share my experience with people and, you know, and to talk to your audience, your community, you know, and those who listen to you and love you and your channel, what you're doing. You know, I appreciate that still. Well, much appreciated. Like I said, you mentioned you've done a short outward in the past, you've also done a Marvin, so we'll yeah. put those links on there as well. And hopefully, obviously, you could do a banged up abroad. You seem like the perfect candidate yeah, for that. Yeah, really, really um, I appreciate you sending me that as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, so a bit like, like a Sean, like, 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 um, like, like Andrew. Andrew, you, you, you know, you're sending me. That's what I do. Like, anyone who helps me, I try and